Welcome to episode 458 of Conversation Street, the spoiler-free Coronation Street podcast with me, Gemma. And me, Michael. Hello. Today we're talking about episodes of Coronation Street that were broadcast in the UK between the 15th and the 19th of February 2021. Which episode numbers is that? I was about to tell you. 10,249 to 10,254. What big numbers they are. Speaking of which, we have got at last our Patreon competition winner to announce. So this has been our competition that we've been running for the last month or so, and you have all had the chance to get a one-year subscription to Conversation Street's Patreon, which is a very good offer and very kindly um, and generously donated by an anonymous donor. Um, all you had to do, it was easy, just had to write in with a big old number, which is how long you thought Conversation Street had been on between episode one and episode, oh, what was it, 454, I think? I can't even remember now. The competition's closed. It's too late. You can't enter it anymore. And, um, yeah, we had a big old load of entrants, but the winner was the person who managed to guess the closest. Hmm, so we don't have to do a spinny wheel or anything this time. We know who the winner is. Now, it has, um, we have, you know, we, we have been accused of talking a lot on this podcast, so it's not a small number of hours or minutes or even seconds. And the actual time was... It's a big number, Gemma. In hours, 1,061 hours, 49 minutes and 52 seconds. That's too many. Too many. No, not enough. Not How enough. many minutes? That is, well, I'll tell you exactly. That's um, 63,709 minutes and 52 seconds. Or if you just want seconds, how many seconds has Conversation Street been on? 3,822,592 seconds of Conversation Street goodness. And wow. all of every single second of that has been gold. And there's even more of it now because we've done like four or five more episodes since the com- uh, competition launched. How long does it take to get to Mars? Oh, I don't know. Should have asked. Should have those face men. How many times there. can you go to Mars and back on our podcast? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the thing is, it it takes you it takes you so long to get there. It was probably a bit too, you know, if we'd have given them everything that we'd done so far when they launched their little rover who would have, I'm sure, adored listening to Conversation Street, there maybe wouldn't have been quite enough to have, um, have lasted the journey. Can you I imagine if, if you had, like, loaded it up on, is it Perseverance, and sent it off to Mars, it would have landed and gone, no, 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 Where, what's happened to Debbie? Where's Debbie? I've got to come back. I ain't got time. I haven't got time for this. <laughs> well, we have. We need to announce our winner, don't we, Gemma? We've, we've said what the number is, and in fact, our winner was very, very close. I don't know whether they did any... Um, little downloady matty adding up here or anything like that but if they did well to them to them because they did get very very close um our winner was john trigg so congratulations john congratulations and he guessed 63,000 um and 772 minutes so you're only about 70 minutes off which is incredible if it was a lucky guess i i don't know if it wasn't a lucky guess you messed up somewhere maybe you did some adding somewhere (laughs) either that or we did i don't know but john was more likely that you did it wrong possibly i don't know but in any case john was definitely definitely the closest um so congratulations so um we'll get in touch with you or you get in touch with us or something and we'll sort out getting that Patreon episode sent right out to you. Episode? 
subscription so i was only thinking yeah. that because we actually re- we did release a new patreon episode at the weekend we our top five underrated coronation street couples which is lots of fun and john will be able to Here enjoy is, that yeah. we'll um, ourselves signed up. just so you know it takes seven months to get to mars so we're oh that's oh yeah we are How actually many? aren't we I, that, yeah, that, that's that, that isn't seven months so uh, we're gonna we have to, to stop to coron- do doing this podcast when we reach the amount of times time it takes to get to mars or they would they improve the technology and it takes less time. Well, they could just listen to it on half speed if they really wanted to eke it out. Yeah, why mm-hmm. not? Um, so also just another bit of Patreon news: we've now added a um, the ability for you to pay for a year, buy a year subscription all at once, and you get one month free if you do that. So if you're interested in signing up to um, the the show to to our special Patreon. <laughs> You can you really sell it. it. You can now do it and get a month free if you pay for a year. So, hope that that might be of interest to somebody. If not, just ignore the, what I just said. <laughs> right, that isn't even the most exciting thing that's happened to me this week. It's been Coronation Street related, Gemma. I can't really say very much about it, but I did get the opportunity to go to a com- <laughs> Coronation Street <laughs> virtual press conference just the other day I heard that it was happening and I, and I emailed went, in Coronation Street I said please can, can you let please me in I please is there, is there room for another little one on your, on your Zoom thing and there was so I, 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 I mean there's a lot of stuff that's embargoed on there so I don't really want to um, I don't want to say anything particularly just in case I say the wrong thing so I won't only to say that I was very very chuffed to be able to do it and there were some um, there were some Coronation Street actors that were there um, that uh, I was able to listen to speak about some upcoming storylines it does mean and, and this is this is the thing this is the rub it means that there are bits for next month's Corrie that I'm a little bit spoiled for and obviously I'm not allowed to mention it because well, partly because this is a spoiler free podcast as you pointed out at the beginning of the show and also because it's embargoed um, but I don't know what it's going to mean when it comes to like speculating because you're terrible you've got no poker face <laughs> I didn't listen to this I, I left the room because yes. I didn't want to hear and so um, <laughs> I'll be there going I wonder what's going to happen and you'll be like oh, what will happen so or please like, don't you know, if you'll say, oh, I wonder if this will happen. And I might go, yes, maybe that will happen. No, maybe don't, not. Can you try? Can you I'm, I'm really, try? really going to try. Although I don't really like the idea that this podcast is teaching you how to lie to me. <laughs> right. It's about time I learned. Right, let's... Um, anyway, I will be able to talk a lot more about, about it, you know, next month when it's, um, when it's all aired and right. stuff. Okay, so you did a press conference. Now it's time for you to do a quiz. Yes. Here is the quiz that I got from reading the wonderful entries on coronationstreet.fandom.com there's the things that happen between the 15th and the 19th of february in years ending in a one and a six on the 15th of february 1971 alf discovers what is going to be built on the street but he doesn't tell the residents 1971 um i don't remember but we i think we watched this didn't we yeah um, we watched all of it what, <laughs> what gets built what gets in built? 1971. Oh, um, the thing, the oh, great. community centre. No. Factory. No. Warehouse. Mark warehouse. Just warehouse. Okay, you get a mark. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a go kind. 15th of February 1991. What does Des put in his garden that horrifies the Wiltons? A boat. Yeah. Giant boat. Yeah, boat. 15th of February 2006. Emily is shocked by Ed's confession. What is it about? He shot Ernest Bishop. I know. In the face. That would be a great name for a band. Who shot Ernest Bishop? Or maybe the first album. <laughs> 16th of February 1996. 
Roy offers to help Don with his problem. Uh-huh. What is it? Um, I'm going to say 96. I'm going to say it's his um, spectral visitation from yeah. the late Ivy Brennan. A ghost. 16th of February 2001, Susan's funeral. Who is she buried next Remember, to? Whose funeral? Susan. Susan's She's going to tell me from the date, Michael. Um, uh, Val Barlow, I guess. Yeah, and who gate crushes the funeral? <laughs> Billy. <laughs> you can't be doing it, so. <laughs> can, I please, Sorry. can I please be in this as well? <laughs> who gate crashes the funeral? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know that one. I'm going to oh, say um, yeah, Adam Barlow. Adam Barlow, his, his son, well, yeah. who's in the car. It, it might have. Zero. Who was it then? It was Mike. Oh, do you mean the, the the out of who? Uh, so out of like the 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 estranged ex husband or the son? Yeah, but who the son who was a secret son. That, oh no, he wasn't secret at that point. Was no, they, they kind of knew he was there when Forget he was in I the car it. with her when she died. Oh yeah. Eighteenth of February, nineteen ninety one. Whose mother, Amy Burton, suffers a fatal Vera. heart attack while playing bingo? Vera, Vera, Vera. Doctor. Right. Final question. Nineteenth of February, nineteen ninety six. Don's friend, Eddie Baines, pretends to be a Catholic priest to yeah. try and exercise Ivy's ghost, I've much to Vera's delight. However, later Jack accidentally breaks what inside Baines' bag, leading Vera to believe Ivy's ghost has been released where? <laughs> you, you were so confident then, I changed the question. <laughs> what is it? Jack breaks... What does he break? Wins. <laughs> inside somebody's bag. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to check um, my handbags now. I'm what does he break? You. Um... I forgot, he breaks something he breaks inside something. his bag. Yeah. yeah. And then Ivy thinks the ghost has been released, but where? Where has it been released? You were released? so confident. You were so cocky. He the breaks. Ghost. Is the question what does he break, or is the question where does it get released? It's a double to? question. Um, well, I think it gets released into the rovers. Yes. And he breaks. Um, I don't know what he has. Little ghost trap jar. Um, rosary. Um, I'm not giving you a mark, but it was rosary. That, that's right. Seven out oh, of nine. Oh, no. Well, you, you gave me the mark for the first one. It was almost third guess. That's all right. Not, Birthdays. Not we missed a birthday today, didn't we? It was. It's Gareth Pierce's birthday today. Happy birthday, Gareth Pierce. New mm. Todd. Going to have to enter that into my database. 40. Yes, you will. Yeah. 20th of February, George Waring played Arnold Swain. 22nd of February, writer Paul Abbott and writer Damon Rochefort. So, get him a... Mm. It was also Alison Sinclair's birthday this week as well. Illegal information. Ben Thompson, <laughs> who was Ryan Connor the first. Twenty third of February, director Stephen Butcher. Twenty fourth of February, Craig Gazy played Graham Proctor. Craig Gazy. Great. Twenty fifth of February, director John Moxie. Rita Wolf played Flick Khan and Julie Hesman Hush. Oh, happy birthday to all those lovely people. Twenty sixth of February. Oh, there's more. Oh, we have... Would you forget the most important person? I would. Amy Aston, play Becky Palmer. Mm. Or am I talking about Georgia Taylor? Uh, yeah, it's Georgia Taylor's birthday next week. 26th of February, birthday. she will accept cash or... Coffee gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> Send her all your, all your vegan stuff because she loves it. Uh, tofu, yeah. firm or soft. <laughs> 
Um, right, happy birthday to all those lovely people. Um, also, 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 can I just put a little plug out for our bonus podcast this week, which we no. recorded last night, well, I'm going to anyway. It was jolly good. We spoke for about two hours or so on the first half of the 1990s because we have finally reached the midway point in our 1990s Cory DVD and YouTube watching little odyssey that we've done. Yes. That was a lot of fun, wasn't and it? And we supplemented our watching of Coronation Street with a really um, a special episode from 1970. Oh, we did watch a, nice, a 1970 episode as well yeah. last week, didn't we? Yeah, no, Corey we watched P- it yesterday. That's what I said just now. Oh, well, I thought it was last week. No. Um, this was a really amazing... This was so, such a great episode, one of the best I've seen. Um, and it was about the families waiting to hear what happened what the fate of Irma, David and Darren the baby in Australia was after their car crash. And it captured perfectly that feeling that you have when you're waiting for bad news mm. from somewhere. It was so They had to book a phone call to Australia, didn't One they? One pound a minute, yeah. which is what... Fifteen pounds yeah, in today's pounds money, money. You worked it out. Right, so so that was that was nice, and we got a lot of Ken shouting in there, shouting yeah. down the phone and slamming Stop it down. Stop phoning me up, stupid woman! <laughs> Lots of great Hilda. It was so funny going back, like, <clears throat> jumping back twenty five years. It just really, we, it was like, it's like double whammy of like nostalgia and also the the sadness. Yeah. Anyway, that's just on YouTube. To Go that. And watch it. If but you yeah, want it. we we talk about the first half of the nineties in the bonus episode. Hope you like that, and let's talk about what happened in Coronation Street this week. Just a minute. Good plan. Right, let's get cracking with this week's Street Talk then. And uh, we have got seven storylines this week. We're going to start be starting off with the Deb Freeze storyline. Deb Freeze? Deb, you thought that was all right. I, no, it's not a, that sounds like Deep Freeze, isn't it? Kind of. It well, sounded better earlier in the week when I wrote it Everyone down. in Coronation Street came up with better puns. Yeah, I know. Um, then we have the size supply story and the pull over story, which I also have not come up with a decent storyline title for yet. Then we return to the Baileys. Three's a crowded and it's about to get a bit a crowdeder with um with Ronnie there. Although he's he's not actually living there, is he? They're saying that he wants to move um nearby. Um I also thought we could call this storyline He's new Ron Ron Ron, he's new Ron Ron to yep. celebrate the, the new character on the street, or Ronnie come lately. As he is. <laughs> the Baileys have been on the street for two years and this is the first that we've heard of him. I can't believe that we've got a new Bailey and it's not bloody Dee Dee. I know, I don't believe it either. Uh, Downward Dobbs is going to be my title for the Tyrone Does Yoga story and I do like that one. We had a little bit of the Johnny Jailbird and um, this uh, tonight's episode we saw a little bit more of the lovely Gay Dead story. Um, with the preparations for his funeral. Which I'm sure is going to be hilarious with um, Eileen potentially driving the hearse. Is Eileen going to drive the hearse or are they... Gail didn't want it, did she? They said it was either going to be Steve or Tim, but I don't know. Get the feeling it might end up up being Eileen. Whoever it is, whoever they find, Mm. they shouldn't turn it down. Because you know what? If somebody tells you to drive a hearse, you really should do. Because don't look a gift hearse in the mouth. (laughs) Yeah. You nearly screwed that up. I nearly so screwed. <laughs> right, Gemma, can you do the deep... You want me Deb- to do this? Well, no, I thought you might like to do it. You like, you like Debbie. I can't make the story shorter, but I can do that with a window. There we go. Right, so... Where oh. were we left last week? <sighs> I don't feel in the mood at all to do this. I'm sure you'll warm up to it. <laughs> right, Monday. They're still in the fridge. And it is a fridge, it's not a freezer. I know people have been a bit confused about this. This but has they... been, you know, the hot topic. Is it a fridge or is it a freezer? Hot topic. 
Oh, is this going to have a chilling this, effect on oh people? Oh my gosh, is this the standard <laughs> of today's podcast? We're just getting it out there in the first five oh, minutes. Oh man. Right, so they've been sitting in a fridge, which, uh, again, arguably slightly warmer than some of the other, uh, some of the situations people have been dealing with. I know Texans will probably find this a bit... <laughs> a bit close to the bone. Yeah. Um, on Monday, <sighs> Seb's Finds Abby tidying up because she's had this row with Kevin and she wants to make up to him. Yeah, she's doing the Hoover, isn't she? Do you remember? And she was trying to get the Hoover to work, but she hadn't plugged it in. Is this Coronation Brilliant Street going? Start to all the right, beat. all right. We'll stop doing the women can't cook jokes. Let's do the women can't clean jokes. Yeah, no, that that was uh, that was if not an, the best. If you're an adult and you can't work a Hoover, you deserve to be put in the bin. <laughs> um, so then well, married sure. off to Kevin Webster. Next best thing. I mean, I can't believe in a house where Kevin lives with one other person, the other person doesn't know how to work the Hoover. <laughs> That's true. Was like, yeah, who else is supposed no to do the Hoovering Kevin, around at number there's 13? There's no way Kevin does the Hoovering. And I, I was in the kitchen, ironically enough, when they were talking about this, but there were so many like weird misogynistic jokes that Abby was fine about Kevin making, about her being his wife. It was just, I wanted to shoot him in the face. Anyway, they're not sure how long they've been there, Kevin and Debbie, uh, but he remembers the time that Robert and Michelle got stuck. And he says, I know it's been like three days, but I've just remembered that I could probably... <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Like, it was definitely at least the next day. And Kevin's only now just remembered, oh yeah, Robert and Michelle got stuck in here that one time. And they said, Robert said to me that one time, if you ever find yourself stuck in a freezer that is converted into a fridge, stick your pencil in the fan... And it'll be you'll be right as rain. And I like the way it's taken this long, and they've presumably heard the free the fridge, um, the fan fan kicking in several times, and they've just been like, huh, noisy. <laughs> and then and then he suddenly remembered. He was like, I've just been on my phone looking on Coropedia. We should stick a pencil in it. And they're like, for some reason, they're stuck on the idea it must be some kind of pencil. And and Abby's like, um, Debbie's like. Would an eyebrow pencil work? And like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if it needs to be a lead pencil or an <laughs> eyebrow. Surely any object that is long and thin can will do. You could use a piece of trout or whatever they're stuck in there with. Boxes and boxes. <laughs> no, they're of... boxes of swordfish, weren't they? That would be perfect. Exactly. Hopefully, get a frozen yeah. swordfish nose. Just, jam just it right jab in it there. in there. If this was a Disney uh, cartoon, that would have been their <laughs> first poor call. But they put the pencil in... The whole, and it doesn't seem to have much effect, but <laughs> oh, yeah. they never okay. mention again. No. Uh, it seems to, does it stop it the, the weird from... lighting from changing no, 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 from no. blue it to goes, pink? It goes pink after this. People are not, blue the lights lighting. and the fans aren't connected. Okay. Debbie tells Kevin that people were f- frozen naked in Antarctica, and that would be pretty awkward. I think this is when they talk about paradoxical undressing. Yes. Which is what happens when you... Uh, get hypothermia you start to think that you might be a bit hot and so you take your clothes off um i don't think that we get that far here but maybe if it was uh after nine that would have been something to look forward to <laughs> craig comes to sally's and says oh ray we've been arrested him last week that was a twist wasn't it well he's, he's been arrested he's in custody and sally's pleased and abby's like oh He's not dead. <laughs> I thought that Debbie killed him. That this is a bit of a bone of contention between the pair later on this week, isn't it? Yes. I mean, 
It's like when you say you took the bin down, you haven't done it. That never happens. The other person gets a bit mad. Later on, Abby has told Sally that Debbie said she killed Ray. And she says, right, I know that we've just been ignoring the fact that Debbie and and, um, Kevin have gone missing. And nobody's put two and two together that they're missing together during a time when it's quite suspicious that they would have gone missing. But I need to find her now because she told me she killed someone. And I she didn't hasn't think at this point that Kevin was officially missing. I thought he was still oh, supposed yeah, to be camping, was still out camping. With, uh, with Jack, as far as Abby's concerned. Abby tries Abby tries to get hold of um, them by, by knocking on the door of the bistro. Because let's remember, the bistro's been locked up because of the, the crash that um, Mick, the gangster, dro- drove through the door. So they've boarded it all up. No more eat out to help out. No more supporting your local bistro by having overpriced Thank chicken God nuggets. Thank God for speed, doll. Um, yeah, it's a good job that also uh, the Rovers are doing takeaway. What would they eat otherwise? <laughs> She's trying to knock on the door. Yeah, she, she, and she this reckons is obviously... that um, Debbie has barricaded herself inside for some reason. So this is the front door, which is not, which is far away from the kitchen door, which is still another door in front of the fridge door. So although Kevin tries to hammer back... She can't hear him. It's too far away. Debbie says, let's just go to sleep, which is always my aunt, my answer to any problem. Yeah, she's a girl after your own heart, isn't she? Kevin won't let her. Um, they just start to reminisce about their childhood and their parents. And they talk about watching films. Kevin, Debbie's so bored, she starts to fall asleep. Kevin changes tack and decides to have a go at her for the fact that um, she wrapped him and her and him and her, his dad, their dad, round her little finger when the mum died and Debbie's like what what she immediately wakes up to have an argument I like that tactic yeah um she's she's saying basically no I I I skivvied for you but Abby gets a phone call from Chesney and she he says oh Jack's here where's where's Kevin Kevin never even turned up the Willits come to see Abby I don't know who that is oh Willits Willits it's the um Policeman yeah. comes to see Abby. She, she says, oh, we don't know where Kevin's gone. And he's like, oh, we don't really care about people that have gone missing. <laughs> uh, if you keep an eye, I tell you what, there's a good app to download. It's the Body in the Canal app. <laughs> yeah. If you want to find... Really helpful. Go speak to Billy about that. Honestly, normally they're just dead in the canal, so I wouldn't worry too much. He's not gone far. <laughs> Debbie's making ice puns, and they're still arguing. And Kevin's saying, oh, you're always only ever interested in, in money... And then she starts this whole thing about, oh, yeah, but it never loved me back. The curse of the childless woman on Coronation Street is that no matter what success she ever achieves in her personal or professional life, she was still always yearning for that one thing that will make everything okay, which is to have a baby. Sad. Well, she, I don't know whether she was uh, hankering after a kid. She was just like saying... It, that's how it felt to me. Uh, it just felt to me more like it was, she, she didn't have the love of a good man. Apart well, from that little bit where she was going out with Ray. And that was arguably not a good Interesting way of thinking about it. Ray tells Willits he's got no idea where Abby, Debbie, God damn it, Debbie and Kevin are. Um, Debbie says, oh, it's really hard for me. One mum died, I had to look after you. I do, I'd vowed to be nobody's doormat ever again. So I followed the money and I just found loneliness. Um, ugh. I mean, to be honest, she's right to... Um, I, I've said this before on the podcast, but literally, if you do a survey of, like, general happiness, single women come out on top every single time. It goes single women, married men, and then I think it's married women and then single men at the bottom. 
So if you're a single woman, you're basically winning life. Debbie's, Debbie's not. She's realising. Also, she, Honestly, also she, thinks, she might feel a bit regretful now, but at the end of the day, when if, if she and, and Kevin both got frozen to death in their little freezer thing and then got evacuated, they both would have had a nice funeral and they both would have had the same gravestone, except she would have had fancy, fancier stuff and got to eat nice food and Kevin spent the whole of his life moaning and bitching. <laughs> if you took a sample of like everyday happiness of Debbie and Kevin throughout the time we've seen them, he's spent far more time causing drama and moaning and most of it's revolved around him not keeping his penis in his pants. Maybe you should have used that to stop the fan. He could have... Solve two problems at once. Nobody would have missed it apart from him. So anyway, um, Willis goes back to number 13 and says, maybe Kevin and Debbie have done a bunk together. And Abby's like, no way. He'd never abandon Jack. And Jack's like, watch that, watch that. It reminds me of um, uh, Thor's hammer. Like, because I've been watching a lot of Marvel films recently. Thor sometimes will summon his hammer and it takes a while for it to arrive yeah, which well, is what Jack, Jack did yeah, another Jack was like flying through the ether head first like did someone say my name me Jack you wanted Jack he arrives on Friday no Wednesday Wednesday oh it didn't take him that long then did it where are you up to you're here back to Devon and Kevy again Abby's I'm like saying Devon and Betty Kevy Kevin and Debbie Abby's They're like, cold. oh no, Kevin must be hurt. I'll have to find him myself. And everyone at home's like, thank God, Abby's finally on the case. She'll sort it out. Uh, they're very tired, Kevin and Debbie. She says, Abby's the best thing that's ever happened to him. Um, mustn't let her go. And they talk about their childhood. Talk about mum being sick. Debbie sang her Abba songs no, in Debbie Korean. Kevin, Abba, Kevin, Abba, 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 Abba. Okay, Kevin, that's clear. Debbie up. sang... Kevin, Abby songs. No, Abba songs. <laughs> this is what you're telling me to I can't do Debbie, this Abba. anymore. I quit, the, I quit the podcast. This is too much. Just trying to trip us up. They're getting cold. They're getting tired. Just like us. More upset. He says, I won't let you die. He starts banging on the door. Abby's in Ray's office. She hears the banging. Kevin sees Debbie fall unconscious, tries to help her. Abby comes into the kitchen, finds the envelopes of pa- envelope of papers, Seb phones, says, I'm coming back with this paperwork. And she goes home and Kevin sings to Debbie, take a chance on me. Do you remember all this? Why? I don't, you just sound like you're reading it. I am reading it. Well done. I'm reading exactly what you've written. On Wednesday, Kevin wakes up. He's like, Debbie, wake up. She says, oh, I've got a bad knee. I can't believe it. I was like, I don't care about your knee. We're going to die. Who cares about your knee? But, you know, if you've got a bad knee, it's best to put it on ice. Yeah, there she's in the right place. Abby's looking through the papers at home. Oh, what a mystery. I don't... She's looking at all this. It's very confusing. Yeah, this is the papers that are assigning all the race stuff over to Debbie, aren't they? Jack comes in. Abby's like, don't worry, your dad's missing. So she's, so she's your aunt, but it's fine. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, Jack's, Jack's been out like, playing football and people on the internet seem baffled at the fact that Jack could be going out to play football when he's only got one leg. And it's like, I, I think he's still Literally one of can. the main things that they talked about when he lost his leg is will he be able to play football? And they were like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I, I know, and he's been doing his... Um, He's been doing his training, he's been doing his running. <laughs> the thing about it is, it, like, there are certain disabilities that medical um, knowledge and expertise hasn't quite managed to sort of help out with. But losing your leg, especially, I think it's, is it below the knee? Yeah. I'm not saying I'd, I'd chop my, knee, my leg off tomorrow. 
But I am saying, I don't think it's going to be the end of you doing most things. Yeah. And also, the other thing about it is... It doesn't like, drive everybody mad like Don Brennan. Some people go on to live perfectly <laughs> happy and technology healthy technology now. And think about... The thing that I think is remarkable is you, if you look at the Paralympics and like the, the, like, um, the people who run with prosthetic legs... Part of the reason that they have to separate them out from the Olympians is that they're bloody faster sometimes. Well, yeah, if they've got one of those sprinty uh, blades. I think that's amazing. That's something to celebrate, not moan about on the internet. But mind you, what else would we do with our life? We couldn't play on the internet. Um, so, uh, Muddy, Muddy Jack's fine. Abby's like, don't worry about it. Um, Abby goes and says to Faye, can you hack into the bistro computer? And she's like, cool, only if I can just use the, the, um, the keyboard and not the mouse at all. Because <laughs> that's how you hack into things. <laughs> just tap on the computer. Like, I hope they haven't changed the password. <laughs> and they haven't. <laughs> Debbie and, and Kevin are talking that. about what they're going to do when they get out of there. And I can't remember what it was. And Debbie's bored. She falls asleep again. She's the- just cold and tired. Bored. Uh, uh, the password's not been changed. And Faye's like, ooh... Oh, I don't know about this. It reminds me of the last time I was here, which is when Ray tried to rape me. And and Abby's like, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> how insensitive of me." That was, I I like the fact that they that she brought that up because um, obviously uh, Abby had forgotten. Um, then Faye finally realizes that the hand has been broken off the fridge. You said that you spotted it, like yeah. The, 20 seconds they framed fight. it they framed it pur- purposefully so that we would look and go oh i hope i wonder if they'll notice and um just like me worst case scenario girl they start to think that debbie and kevin are locked in there and i, I think a lot of people probably watch this at home going why would they even think that they were locked in there but <laughs> i'm i'm the sort of person who would immediately jump to the worst possible conclusion you are a and i would say yes. Definitely, they must be in there and they're almost certainly dead. Let's just leave them. I wonder who ate who first. Yep. Abby starts to hammer on the door and Kevin's eyes open, but he's so cold and bored, he can't respond. (laughs) He kicks over the swordfish boxes, though, and Debbie's like... So um, Craig arrives, thank goodness, finally. Dutch is here. (laughs) No, he's Um, called Clogs. Clogs. Not because he's clever, Clogs. I'm sorry. No. Let's. Are we going to talk about this now? Oh, right, as well as you brought it up. Um, yeah, Stupid. that was that was weirdly written, wasn't it? So Craig's nickname is Clogs because it's he's, so brave. he's so brave, and then he gets called Dutch Courage, and then that got shortened to Dutch, and then that got shortened to Clogs, which is, seems no like sense. a very um, yeah, long-winded. I mean, I know nicknames do kind of happen like. Oh, of that, course mate. they do. It's like it's Courtney rhyming slang. But the silliest it's thing a about sad misunderstanding of the phrase Dutch Courage. Yeah. Which is a phrase that means you need to get drunk to do something brave. And Craig, is Craig that brave? Number one, Craig's not that brave. Number two, unless he's got a substance abuse problem that they are hiding from us, he also in no way um, represents the phrase Dutch courage. No. So I think the third uh, explanation is that... Weatherfield police are so bad at literally everything that they can't give out a nickname that makes sense. Well, or the best, he's called the, Clogs for another reason. Well, the best they, one that I saw online was because he always clogs up the toilet in the Weatherfield police station. With what? With his Tinker Stinkers I saw on the Digital Slide forums. <laughs> yeah, very clever. But I do wonder whether, like... 
I wonder if this is going to come up later and I'm they're so going to explain I. that he's they've lied to him and said his nickname is Cogs, but actually it's a, a rather cruel nickname that they're hiding the origin of. I've got a feeling it's This that, is the only it, way it I'm going to forgive very this clunky. because everybody knows what Dutch courage means and you can't just change the meaning of it. I See, I still got a feeling that this racial profiling thing that happened the other week is going to be spun out into a story. With... Well, because it's because it's going to turn out that all the coppers at Weatherfield Police Station are bent or just a bit nasty. Um, and Craig... When you say nasty, do you mean racist? Well, yeah. Um, and, and and Craig's going to be the goody two-shoes. Can so... I just say, in defence of nasty people, you can be nasty without being racist. You can. <laughs> um, no, so I, I wonder whether it's going to be that and whether it's going to turn out that they're actually making fun of him and they think that, yeah, then... Uh, just maybe, maybe. I hope so. Because <laughs> I just didn't... I didn't think that that line about clogs was very good. Um, what have we got next? Um, Gemma's eating a biscuit, so I'm going to carry on talking. But I don't know where we got to. Yeah, Craig is here. And then um, but, but, but Abby's like, I'm not going to let the arrival of no policeman stop me from saving the day. I'm super Abby. Kicks down the door of the fridge, gets inside, sees their fr- seemingly frozen corpses slumped across the uh, the the floor and just collapses into tears. Of course, she can't run over to them because she didn't form a bubble with Mike Laval and uh, Sue Devaney. So she just, I really, just stays there at the door. Going, she broken, I was like, oh, Abby saved them. And I was so excited for her to rush over and embrace them and sort of carry them out that I forgot that she couldn't. No. So when she sort of collapsed in the doorway and, and started crying, it just kind of made me laugh a bit because I thought oh yeah <laughs> she's not allowed to I thought that it was quite a good performance from all oh, it's a fantastic performance it's unfortunate that that particular reaction just made me realize and it sort of pulled me out of the well we, we have got had quite a lot of that you know in the last six months haven't we characters discovering other characters yeah, and then just, going, just standing no! and screaming at them like when Peter had a seizure a couple yeah. of weeks ago and Ken was like Peter no, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm sure you're okay I'm just gonna go for the ambulance Kevin gets a few words out and she's like, oh, thank goodness. So they get ambulanced away and Craig says, oh no, they tell Craig that it was Ray that did it, but he's being released at that very moment and he gets away. He gets into the car with Miles, the evil solicitor. I mean, actually, no, that's a, what's it called? What's it, uh, where, redundant phrase. (laughs) Oh, solicitors are evil and lazy. Abby's talking with Kevin in the hospital later and he says Yeah, we're having a problem with our flipping solicitor at the moment with our house sale. They're they not, do. They are not replying to our Lazy. emails and then they're asking Lazy. us to send us paperwork that we've Lazy. already sent them. Like, you don't want to hear about this. No. Um so Abby's in the hospital with Kevin and he says, Me and Debbie are fine now because if there's one thing that brings two people together, it's being stuck in a small room with dodgy lighting with a bunch of swordfish. And Abby is not impressed because she feels sort of super betrayed by Debbie because now she realises, well, she thinks that because Debbie lied about killing Ray, that must mean that they're in cahoots. Yes? Well, yeah, she yeah, she was in, uh, yeah, and she was always, in, she was in cahoots with him for all this time anyway. Well, she she always... In, no, but she was in cahoots with him to betray him. Yeah. So she wasn't really lying that much to Abby. She was right in saying that she was not on Ray's side. Well, she was, she always had a, um, a bit of a beef with with Debbie, with Debbie, didn't she? Abby oh, yeah. did. And then she kind of thought that she could trust her for a little yeah, bit when she, she realised she was him. a murderer. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, I should have never liked you. I always trust murderers over anybody else. Um, Craig arrests Ray at the airport, which is really just part of... Uh, um, 
Oh, that, that's Underworld. Set. That, it, it, <laughs> with, see, a, with champagne in a bucket. It, it felt like it was a corner of the Underworld set. I don't know for sure. But, um, that frosted it window uh, looks a bit suspicious. It certainly didn't look like an airport. Oh, excuse this me, is, can thing's... I just ask you a question? How many business lounges have you been in? <laughs> okay, fine. Because I've been in one, so I think I know. It scenes like this that really, <laughs> really do make me miss the amount, well, the, just the opportunity that they had to go out on location yeah, sometimes. Location because they've, they've they had quite right. a few they scenes at airports and Coronation yeah. Street in the past. The problem is, the more that the set has expanded uh, and with the move to Media City and everything, they've, I think they've been more tempted to say, well, let's just do it in-house anyway if we can and only leave the confines of Media City if we really, really need to. So it makes me wonder whether if they were allowed out, if we, you know, if we weren't on lockdown or whatever... Would they have done any differently? I think maybe they wouldn't, which is a shame, really, because it it clearly just looked like a cheap little corridor <laughs> somewhere, and and I was taken right out of it. Well, it, maybe this was Weatherfield, um, Weatherfield Airport, where their business lounge is a bit rubbish. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> um, you know, I I do think that business lounges vary in quality, mm. depending on what airline you're with. Um, so Craig Rest Ray, uh, he he was being very cocky and then he sort of got found out. That was quite satisfying. So um, Craig tells Faye and he says to her, just because we've got him, doesn't just because he's got um, in trouble for this, doesn't mean they're going to go easy on you in court, by the way. And then they also decide to go out with each other because if there's anything a girl wants to hear more than that, I don't know what it is, but tell me next Valentine's Day and we'll see what happens. Abby goes to see Kevin. She's all excited. She gets down on one knee. Then she gets up again. She's like, I don't know how to do this. And then she finally comes out and says, will you marry me? Uh, and he says, yes. I uh, lass. Brilliant. Abby is so excited on Friday. She gets a bit randy behind the hospital curtains. So excited about being engaged. Um, Kevin says, oh, I've got a surprise for you back at home. I think it's just like the instructions for the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Seeing as what he's going he's gonna to wife her. She better learn how to use all the, all the appliances. Abby goes and visits Debbie in her ward. She's not very happy with her. She says, did you care at all about Ray's victims or was it just about the cash? And Debbie looks a bit guilty and says, well, it all turned out right in the end, didn't it? Which I think is the Coronation Street just motto in general. Um, Abby says, I've no intention of of forgiving you. She brings out this paperwork that has all been signed to say that Ray's transferred everything to Debbie and she definitely, definitely didn't do anything wrong and nothing is her fault. And says, oh, wouldn't you like this? Oh, I'm going to rip it up. And then she says, no, I'm not going to because I'm not evil like you are. And gives it back to her. Everyone's happy about... Debbie, Ray, oh my god. Abby and Kevin. <laughs> Debbie and Ray aren't getting married. <laughs> they could do, why not? Um, they're really excited. Jack and Seb, um, hooray, they they have a Rovers takeout. I don't know what that is. <laughs> what does that mean? A, t- a hot pot in a microwave dish and some cans of beer. You can get that from the co-op. Tyrone visits later. He's got a freezer full of ice puns to tease Kevin with. Everyone's having a jolly time. Um, he asks about Debbie. Kevin says she's being kept in. Sally talks to Abby and she says, Oh, I've wronged the girls. They're both so excited about the engagement because now she's going to be their stepmom. Um, they also talk about Faye's case and they need bit more of Ray's victims to come forward. And they also talk about the fact that Kevin has for- forgiven Debbie. So Debbie's discharged herself 
And she's in the bistro and she's talking to Adam. She's not in the bistro, she's in Speed Dial. Is she? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's t- it doesn't really matter. It's... Everyone went to Speed Dial at every opportunity this week. Did you not notice? I think that was the most used set this week. Ali was raking it in. Um, she gets the business. Uh, she's got the, the paperwork. Adam's checking it over and says, everything seems to be in order. You... You're going to be a very powerful lady. Yeah. She says, Adam, please be my new Miles and take over and be the, the evil goon sidekick who is um, also lazy and does all my lawyering. And he says, no, I'm not going to because I care about how people think about me, which is the least thing, least Adam thing that yeah. Adam's ever said. I can't believe Adam's like, no way, I don't, I don't want to be associated with somebody that people don't like. Is he back with Sarah at the moment? I don't remember. Well, he complains about the fact that she did... She she was partly responsible for this. Well, no, she was working with alongside Ray, who was responsible who, for the sinkhole in, in my his wife's, wife's garden. garden. It's like it's not your wife's garden; it was your wife's brother's garden, and now it's your wife's mum's garden. So calm down, Adam. Yeah, so he doesn't really want to risk the, the the wrath of Sarah Louise by all he needs to have said was Webster. literally. I'm not going to touch this with a with a barge pole because I've already got this. Wah, 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 from Sarah as it is. I don't need more wah, 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 from her and David and Gail. Thank you very much. But anyway, he didn't say that. He said, I, I don't want to be associated with you. Um, and he leaves her alone, but she doesn't even care. She's like, yes, I've I've won. I'm, I'm in the money. I've got away with it. I've got my paperwork. And um, she's happy. And, and also Kevin's forgiven her. Yeah, everything is... Turning up trumps for Debbie Webster at the end of this episode. Debbie Webster Very is the Donald Trump of episode. Weatherfield. You reckon? She's a property tycoon who gets up to dodgy dealings and somehow never gets in trouble for it. <laughs> oh, it's going to come and bite you on her bum, on a frozen asset later. <laughs> um, so, I, what, what, do, what do we think about this this week? Freezer stuff first. I was One thing I would say about it's the not fr- freezer. fridge stuff first. One thing that I was quite surprised about, to be honest, is how long they strung it out. I mean, for the fact that when they went into the freezer on Friday, I kind of thought they'd be out by the end of Friday's episode. And then they weren't. And I thought, okay, Monday they're going to be let out of the freezer. And they weren't. So I did quite appreciate, um, yeah, the fact that it was, we were kept kind of on tenterhooks, if you didn't know the spoilers, um, for a little bit longer. Even when they had Abby going into the bistro on um, Monday and they were banging and and she didn't hear it, or she, then she heard it for a bit, and then he went off. I thought that was that was quite good, because even then I was thinking, oh, they don't find them yet. Keep them in there for a bit longer. So I appreciated that they did. What, do, what, what, was, your, what was your overall impression? The whole of thing the... just had me going, this would have been so good if only dot, 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 which is to say they hadn't released information that was seemingly unrelated to this at the time which that then was... became a major i'm not even going to say what it is because it's still a spoiler but um just just don't tell us i just there's, there's definitely a difference between releasing information that's a spoiler about a storyline and releasing information in general that can then be used to decipher what a story well i think it's to. i think it's a fair game for us to say now that no, coronation street no no because some people still haven't heard that but um, we're saying that no. Debbie Webb, we knew, we knew. No, I don't think it's fair to say because... We I'm... knew that Debbie wouldn't be dead at the end of the week. Yes. We we, we knew that. There's There's been information that's been released by ITV that said so much. Um, and so there was 
really no tension at all. And I don't know why they released that information, why they thought it would be useful for us to know that a couple of weeks ago when they said it. Because unless you were one of the people, and I'm sure there were plenty of people who hadn't come into contact with with that little bit of news, um, it's like, yeah, so they're going to be fine. I mean, at, at one point I was partly thinking, could, could they kill Kevin off? And I thought, no, they... That they wouldn't. I mean, that would be a that would have been an amazing twist, and it'd have been kind of sad, I suppose. But I'm sure I'd have got over it. I would have got over it because I don't think that Kevin's many people's favourite character at the moment. I have to say, but I just think that that was the, the silliest thing for Coronation Street have to have broadcast the fact that um, Abby was going to be staying around a little bit longer, um, and also um, plastered over the front of the soap magazines this week. Um, was Abby proposes to Kevin when she gets out of the freezer. Had you fridge? Fr- fridge. Had you... She wasn't in the fridge. I, I, he okay, the when fridge. he gets out the no, fridge. No, I haven't seen it because I don't look for spoilers. I don't look for spoilers. They Michael, just come and find go me. Go to press conferences. <laughs> this one was literally. We, we, I, right. See, let's talk. Let's talk so about I, something different. So I, no, I just think it was very, very it was unwise of Coronation Street to have revealed it was incredibly, what would happen after the freezer. It incident. was incredibly unfortunate timing. I can only imagine that there was some other reason that they had to release that information at that time. But whatever it was, I feel as though it wasted a really good opportunity for some actual real tension in Coronation Street, which is what we all want to watch it for. Yeah. The other thing I'm going to say is that at times I could not understand what they were saying. I know, I was going to say that now. Because they were acting their little socks off, but they were huffing and puffing and they were saying every word after a massive exhalation and you, I couldn't hear what they were saying, honestly. We should have gone back a bit the subtitles They're on. like... Come to the video, but... Just... So... You know... Like, I don't care. Okay, shut up. Yeah. If you've got nothing to say, keep your mouth shut. And the, the funny it, thing with it all was that it was actually boiling hot in there because when I was looking at uh, watching yeah. an episode, uh, an interview, sorry, with Sue Devaney a couple of weeks ago, and she was saying that she was like, they had sweat pouring down them because they obviously I had, to be, they had to have all these layers on and they had the, the hot studio lights and everything. I'm surprised they didn't start hyperventilating really because if you're really hot and then you start huffing and puffing, surprised they didn't have a, have a funny turn. Yeah. Um, the other thing we learned is that Bill's not dead. They didn't mention they the fact didn't that he mention was dead. Was. They... Would have been something that you might have talked about if you were talking about your dad with your brother. One of the things that you went into Monday's episode saying was, "I hope that they get some nice kind of character moments and some." Um... Well, yeah, I was... we, we, we kind of did. Kind of did, but it annoyed me because I didn't really like the the whole, um, you know, I'm I regret not having a family thing that literally she was saying to her brother, who's her family, which was really offensive. Um, I didn't like that. I think Coronation Street can't handle women that don't have children. Um, I found that offensive. I don't understand why um, we didn't find out. If, you know, if Bill's dead, then why didn't we get to find that no, out? No, I think we just couldn't just hear what they were he, saying. He isn't. Um, and that's all I'm going to say. I thought I thought it was fairly nicely done. This could have been really but... good. It just that some some like massive things that they they're so easy to avoid just kind of ruined it. Can't yeah. understand what they said. Don't understand why there was a dig about women who have careers and not families, and don't understand why um, of the other thing that I forgot what it was. <laughs> it, it, what was I worrying about? Uh, it literally does. It. Oh, why? Why we knew that they would spoilers. be fine. So, so those three things changed what could have been a really dramatic and exciting set of scenes to me to something that was kind of a bit boring. 
Yeah, it was it was different. I thought the rescue in the end was was quite good. Also, I'm glad it was Abby, of course. It doesn't really help that I don't like Kevin and I kind of wish he had died. <laughs> That's hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm really starting to... Kevin is the new Tim for me. Yeah, well, he's getting a bit more screen time now, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I mean, so do, I don't do want think... to be negative and dwell too much on this. And I understand this is my problem. It's nobody else's problem. I don't expect other people to feel the same way about it as I do. Um, but that's just those are my thoughts, and I know some people thought it was great. So, so do you, do you um, do you sympathise with Debbie for her? I mean, did you understand her going for the money? And do you think what does that mean? I mean, it, it, she she was painted out, like you said, as being a little bit evil for being a bit materialistic and capitalistic and everything. But um, I don't. It, it seems like at the end of the episode that she's hasn't changed her spot I kind of like the fact that she was like you know what I faced death and the main thing I thought was that I didn't have any family and then I came home and remembered that I don't have to put the dishwasher on for my useless husband so hooray for me I'm free I I, I liked I could I was kind of going back and forth about whether I wanted to be good or evil I don't think think there's anything evil about caring about money and, and like nobody this is the thing that annoys me we never hear this debate about men nobody ever was ever saying oh I wonder why Mike cares more about his business than his family it's always the woman who's supposed to have some kind of dilemma about it what about the women that just genuinely don't care and she's got more family than I have I don't know what she's moaning about <laughs> I don't have any siblings I um at the very end when she was kind of chuffed with herself for getting Ray's business and, and I think we probably shouldn't think too hard about the ins and outs of how it was all transferred to, to her and everything but she is it. now the new tycoon of Weatherfield good for her and, and to me that was quite exciting and I, and I was almost thinking good for her but yeah. I wonder whether they're going to lead her down that dark and villainous route oh what and I, I kind of would find that quite interesting because she has proven Sue in her performances that she can do that really well and we've said so long that we want a, a villain and I, I haven't seen very much of um what's that Kim Tate is it for in Weatherfield mm. and it seems to me that oh, it's Emma Dale sorry it seems to me that she's that they could take her down that kind of route being you know a hard-faced business bitch kind of woman the thing is they they, they can never really that. have her turn around and say yeah guess what I don't even care about all that stuff to do with friends and family and community and everything because um, I I just love money and that's the most important thing because like that's not what Coronation Street's about and also you'll just be insulting like 95% <laughs> of the people that watch it going, but if that's true, then why do I have children? <laughs> <laughs> My little thought while I was watching that as well tonight is it would be quite good if she could team up with Todd. I think that Debbie and Todd would make a very compelling partnership. Oh, yeah, because if she wants somebody who's good with legal stuff, he's yeah. going to struck off, but he can still think... probably do the paperwork. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think that he could do some yeah. dodgy backstreet lawyering for her. Because, I mean, it, literally, if anybody ever needs a lawyer in Coronation Street now, you've got plenty of regular characters to go to. She's already tried Adam. Is she going to go after Imran next? I can't imagine that Imran Imran's would. Imran's too po-faced. He'd be like, no, no, I could not possibly. Yeah, I mean, if, if anyone's going to turn into the dodgy lawyer out of him and Adam, it's going to be Adam, isn't yeah. it? So if, if she's too evil for even him to accept, then uh, yeah. no way is Imran going to. But I, I just think that Todd, who is also 
doesn't really care about anyone else. He, he enjoys winding people up. They're the um, most interesting characters. He's interested in the materialistic things and, and the money and everything. I think that they could make a really, really fun partnership. And, and I mean, the, the circles that he moves in at the moment is not linked in any way to the way, you know, Debbie's kind of corner of the street. But um, yeah, I, I, I propose that pairing i like the idea the i would love to see that i think it's fine if debbie sort of has regrets about her life and wants to express them that's cool i just am waiting for the unapologetically child free and regret free woman to appear on coronation street <laughs> still hasn't haven't really had it um but you know i i think that um yeah, I really like Debbie. Perhaps she'll learn now to not wear capes and wear a proper coat in the Manchester <laughs> cold. Um, I hope that they don't pair her off with anybody. I don't want her to get involved in love. She doesn't need that. I, mean, I, could, I could see her maybe, I don't know, getting involved with Peter. Because I, I, I still of... wonder whether Abby and Peter are going to, nah. you know, lock lips again before the wedding. Because now that she and Kevin are engaged, surely it's not going to run smoothly. And How could it go wrong? Maybe Abby... You know, turns to drugs, goes back to Peter again. He's on uh, thin ice with Carla as it is at the moment. You know, she could get involved in that yep, kind of yep, story. Yep. Sorry, did you have anything else to add to that? No. Um, that's about it for this story, isn't it? So I well, thought, we, are we I gonna, thought it was fine. Here's the question. Um, much like when a character gets pregnant, one must ask, will this be leading to something that ends up with a birth or a marriage? We'll, are we going to have a wedding? Um, are Abby, Abby and Kevin are going Abby and to Kevin get actually married? Going to get married? Well, they he said that he wants to get married as soon as possible. Sally today I was like, "Oh, have you set a date yet?" I always think, I think it's he's weird. Pregnant. I I always think it's weird on on well, not just Corey. I don't in know a, in general weird. life, as soon as somebody gets engaged, somebody has to say, "Oh, have you set a date yet?" It's no, like, no. <laughs> Literally, we got engaged One yesterday thing at, at evening. A time. Um. Because if you've already set a date, then you've you've been engaged for a while, haven't you? Yeah. You don't get engaged and then immediately phone up like the local. I suppose with Coronation Street, it's not. It's a bit different because it's like, well, you are getting married at the bistro, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. So you just need. It's just a question of when are they free? <laughs> is um is Debbie? Does she get Debbie get the bistro now? Yeah. Is, is that one of the businesses I think that that's she's? What... Adam was insinuating. Oh, okay, well, now I, the question is: Kevin will, can get a discount wedding there, and can't yeah. They? Well, I don't think that Abby would want to get married there. Yeah, bring I mean, back memories. Oh, this is where I was not. No, because she doesn't like Debbie. No, there's bad blood now, and if if um if Ray had trouble shifting lasagna because of the fact that nobody liked him, how is Debbie going to cope? Very true. She might have to well, branch out into fish pie. Sorry, Abby, but it's a global pandemic, and sometimes you just got to suck it up Beggars and get can't married be in your enemies. Um, eatery because it's all there is really at the end of the day though if your main reason that you're mad at somebody is because it turns out they didn't murder somebody i think you you need to reflect <laughs> on yourself a little bit i i can't i can't decide whether i want abby and kevin to get married i think no, up I till this kevin. point i, I think they're really I've bad i kind of like them as a couple but I, I this week when it when the proposal happened when i saw it on the set magazines last week it made me think yeah, just no. I don't really think I. I don't I think, think I Kevin, want that. I think Abby's too good for Kevin. Yeah, and I think he just thinks he's such an old-fashioned ophi moron that he thinks that he's not getting a wife. He's getting you know domestic help. The way that he was talking about having a wife, I understand it was supposed to be a funny bunch of jokes, but it's just really annoying. 
I, yeah, because but... it isn't a joke. It isn't a joke because women seem to to do all the. This is the thing that's come out because of the pandemic, and I don't want to be annoying feminist, but it's too late. <laughs> They're talking about how the pandemic has just uh, made it more obvious how much more domestic chores women do than men in the house. And it seems as though Kevin is very much along the lines of, yeah, well, that's what women are for. And I didn't don't like it. I think Abby's should expect him to do put oh shut up Jenna. She was she was she was very excited at the prospect of getting married, but even with her, but I think if she thought thinks about it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like this is what she really wants. Although it is stability because she's had this no, crazy think, life so far. I mean I a couple of years ago she was yeah, zoned exactly. out on the floor dosed up on well, heroin. Well if you think about what uh, what um what were Kevin and Abby Debbie talking about in the fridge it was about family and who who cares about you and who's looking for you and I guess that was that was Debbie's main point is that you know I'm here in this fridge and so are you but but nobody's looking for me are they they're all but probably someone's looking for you which is you know a pretty mm. fair point your money don't come looking for you when you're stuck in a fridge it just goes oh interest <laughs> uh 0.1 a year um so uh but but Abby has, has kind of never rejected family she's always wanted um you know she she wants to belong to somebody mm. and now she does and so i'm happy that she's excited just wish that it wasn't to such a yeah so to answer your earlier question i'm going to say yes they will get married but i can't see it lasting longer than a couple of years what do you think? Yes Listen, or no? I'm marriage gonna, or not? They will get married and it will be really nice. And I'm I'm kind of expecting Abby to wear something outrageous to the wedding. I'm sure I'll feel very, very chuffed And it'll be Abby. like, oh, and I might, did love how might well up a little bit and feel excited. And they'll have a nice car, probably, to go to the event and whatever. Um, but at the end of the day... Do they need a car to go from number 13 to the bistro? Yes. <laughs> it's just like two large strides, isn't it? Yes. Abby is a remarkable woman, even by Coronation Street standards, and Kevin is not. So that's all I'm going to say. I hope that whatever disaster befalls their wedding, which in soap tradition it certainly will, that Abby is the one to save the day in a wedding dress. I know what's going to happen. Oh no! Where is Jack's wedding leg? Had it <laughs> wedding ordered leg. specially. It's made of... Uh, uh, it's made of the ivory of elephants. It's made of gunmetal. What? As a reference. <laughs> right, I'm going to move on to the next story. What's, what's Simon, Simon and uh, his feather-brained mother been getting up to this week then? Oh, so mean. Well, Leanne is still watching. I said last week she was called Crystal Moon, because I'm sure that's what it said in the synopsis, but it was Crystal Webber, I think. I, Crystal I, Webber? Uh, she's still watching her on the, uh, on, the, on the old telly box on Monday. She yeah. has to turn it off quickly when Simon comes in. He saw that she was on the phone, cause she's trying to ring up and ranking up those premium rate phone bills again. But she says, oh, I was just phoning Toya. Simon. I heard if you phone up Crystal Moon five times to get your loyalty card stamped, your loved one gets reincarnated as a pigeon. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, lovely. Um, Mary's nearly there with Brandon, isn't she? Because he's, he's turned <laughs> into a, a Robin. Um, Simon comes That's home again true. later and finds Leanne asleep on the sofa with the telly on and she's got a feather clutched in her hand. And she wakes up later and finds Simon rooting through her accounts online and seeing that she has been spending loads and loads of money on premium rate phone lines. And she says, um, and he says, 
he says she's nuts if she thinks that they're actually speaking to Oliver. And she says, oh yeah, well, I know, I'm definitely speaking to Oliver, so I'm there. And if you don't believe it, then you know where the door is, son. Um, so Simon is a bit, is getting his nose put out, join a little bit there, but he apologises later. She says she's sorry too. And he does his best, bless him, to try and understand his nutty mum. And she says... Well, the psychic knew things that she couldn't possibly know, like how he used to fall asleep to his music box and how he had dinosaurs on his pyjamas. And um, Simon is sympathetic towards her, but 100% sceptical about um, the the veracity of uh, Crystal Metz, or whatever her name is, (laughs) Um, qualifications in in psychic matters. Uh, Although, I mean, to be fair... How many children do fall asleep to music boxes and have dinosaurs on the pyjamas? Because I think if somebody had told me that, I might feel a little bit, oh, I don't think all children have naturally got dinosaur pyjamas, have they? And, only, or music boxes. Let's face it, Michael, only boys are allowed to have dinosaurs on their pyjamas. So that's a pretty fair guess. But, you know, at least when um, was it, Rosemary was knowing all that stuff about Gail, it was because Lewis was feeding her information. So are you saying that you think that perhaps I, Oliver is? I mean, I, I, I wonder. I wonder. Whether, do you want me to? I'm gonna. Crystal I do is... have some stuff to say about this, but I was going to say it later. Okay, I'll come back to it later. I'll come back to it later. It's all right. Let's carry on the synopsis. So that was Monday. Wednesday, Simon is still running the house. Leanne's being a big useless lump. She says though, at least she's going to stay off the chat lines. And Simon says it's fine. If you need to phone them up for a little bit, you can, but just don't go spending all our money on it, please. Um, so Leanne later gets a oh, phone call her, of her own from the leisure centre, who um, wants Maybe, to know whether Oliver still... Maybe town leisure centre, yes. can I help you? Who <laughs> wants to know whether Simon would still like his swimming lessons. Oliver. Oliver, <laughs> still like his swimming lessons. But alas, Oliver is now swimming with the angels. So he's. Yeah. Uh, she tells them he doesn't need the swimming lessons anymore. Well, she's she really doesn't, sad. She doesn't say, no, he's dead. Thanks for that. I'm just trying to get over it. She's just said it's sad, no. time. sad times. Uh, Simon comes home and she's blubbing on the sofa again because of all this. And uh, she's refusing to speak to Steve or anybody about it. Simon's like, come on, you I'm do, your though. son. I'm not your dad. Yeah. Um, Jacob, remember him? Chip shot friend tells Simon that Jacob. the boss has got another job for him. And Simon tries to turn it down and Jacob says, well, you know, there's those debts and there's the bike and uh, and all that. So I really think you probably should take these jobs. But Simon has decided he's going to go on the straight and narrow for now. Leanne later on is chuffed because she's found another feather. Um, and it's, this, it's another it's another little white feather come down from heaven. So she's all, she's all in a good mood for the rest of the day. They go they watch a weepy film together. Um, she tells Simon how proud of him she is. Um he then phones up Jacob. Oh, yeah, that's that's when he says, sorry, I can't be a drugs mule anymore. I'm, uh, I'm watching a film with my mum. And then and Jacob phones... drug dealers don't do that. No. Jacob phones the boss. Uh, and he's looking a bit panicky at this point because this is a little bit like the... Uh, the pyramid scheme that we had with Sean and Michael and Gemma and that a few few weeks ago, isn't it? Like everybody's got someone higher up that's twisting the screw. Yeah. And, uh, and Jacob says, oh, just leave it with me. I'll... I'll, I'll I'll sort it out, I promise. But yeah, he's looking a bit worried. Nick comes round to see Leanne later under the pretense of borrowing a video game for Sam. Leanne knows that she's just uh, he's just checking up on her, though. And she tells him about the feathers because, you know, Nick and Leanne are soulmates. He'd surely understand. But he tells her that 
She's nuts, so really. That sounds a bit crazy. He kind of, at first, he looks at her with pity, but by the end of the episode, he's telling us to stop being such a silly cow, basically. <laughs> and then Simon says, how dare you say that to my mum? Get out. Yeah, so many people have been ordered out of that flat this week. I know. Um, not the hand, though. The end. She chose, she went of her, she left the flat of her own volition on Friday. Good for her, uh, because she's found another feather first thing in the morning, and it's made to make pancakes. It's only like three days late for pancake day, uh, but never mind, Leanne. You'll get there in the end. Peter is back, by the way. I'm also putting this story in here, um, and he's being closely monitored by Steve. He's had his detox, whatever, at the hospital. He still looks pretty. You what know, they did at, worse the, for at wear. the hospital at the detox was they just gave him um, a foundation that's five shades too light for his skin tone he did look a little bit um <laughs> a little bit a pale bit, didn't he bit beaky <laughs> i think he's been uh, i think he's just had some of uh, ash's skin lightening cream right, he's found it in the bins um simon goes to work later jacob's there offering more druggy delivery jobs again simon says no i said no i'm a good boy now and simon says uh, J- jacob says but you've got your money you owe me um, there's that thousand pounds and there's the bike by the way there is interest on this so, so at the moment down the interest yeah at the moment with your chip shop wages you're not really making a dent you're on this you're not even so... touching the capital mate no I think he's got all the lingo hasn't he I know um, Leanne later nearly gets herself run over she takes the first is this the first time that she's gone out I kind of I haven't seen her wearing a coat for a good few months <laughs> so I think so because I was like oh, and it I is like winter yeah she nearly gets herself run over by Mary's flower van when, van when her feather gets blown off by a giant gust of wind and she goes chasing it uh, into the road and Mary <sighs> Mary has to swerve I, I, it looked like she was going to swerve and crash into Deb's which would, would have um, made she's a, gonna crash a bit into more drama the, um, the post box Oh yeah, it could have been. No, I, I, that was that was a poor bit of stunt work. Well, I would I say. I think that the little face that Mary pulled when she was swerving was more of a I'm sure comedy swerve rather than a. Oh, I nearly killed you my neighbour. You make some funny faces when you nearly run people over in the street. It never happens. Um, Nick gives Leanne a bit of a talking to, saying, "What are you doing? Don't walk in into, the road. Don't walk into the road, chasing feathers." And she's like, "But who's on a feather?" Um, and <laughs> Mary brings her some tea, and Leanne clops off because she doesn't want everyone fussing all over her. Um, later on, now you'd predicted this a couple of scenes beforehand, hasn't you? I think it was fairly clearly. I didn't notice it. I didn't see it coming. The thing is, I just say, if ever you the thing when you're watching Corrie and you're like. Oh, I guess that was going to happen. You're kind of you. You're kind of supposed to have guessed it because they put it in there for you to see. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes they think they're being subtle about things. Yeah, sometimes they do. Like, oh, do we notice that Abby, Aggie, and Ronnie are giving each other funny looks? What could that be about? <laughs> no, I honestly, I hadn't got this. Well, so, I, he uh, was just looking very suspicious, and and when. Um, Brian comes Brian around comes with a big up, bag I said, of feathers. I said to you, he's about to explain how Simon has been leaving feathers. And that's exactly what happened. Simon, I thought it was a dead pigeon, but it wasn't. Yeah, Simon has been leaving bags of feathers. I don't know where he gets these from. He, he's in bought... Brian's recycling bin. And yeah. Brian's there to lecture him on the importance of um, not abusing recycling See, the services thing is, provided by Weatherfield Council. Feathers are recyclable. No, what do you turn the feather into? Bird. <laughs> That's how Surely baby birds it's natural. Surely it's a natural thing. You can just stick it in the compost. Dust to dust, ash to ashes, feathers to birds. Yeah, but but what do you do with them then? Stick it in a landfill. I don't know what happens. They de- decompose, don't they? Well, then it, it's recyclable if it decomposes. Oh, yeah, you stick it in the bin with the rest of you. When you when. 
when the cat brings a bird in, you don't yeah. stick it in the recycling bin, do you? Yeah. <laughs> put, it in the, put it in the compost, what you do. Anyway. Stick it in the freezer and see if you can make it the, into the, stew. The gig's up for old Simon. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Leanne knows. Um, uh, he's all, he, Simon's with Peter for a little bit. They agreed to go to speed I really later. loved the fact that, that there were just feathers floating in the air, this whole scene. It was very... Um, Which scene? Oh, the one where Simon goes back. And Leanne confronts him. Yeah, sorry. She goes nuts, doesn't she? She, she throws is... feathers everywhere. I bet she loved that. It's that was a, go, Jane, do this in one take. Because we're, yeah, we're, we're not, not cleaning up. Yeah, in fact, we've written it into the script that you tidy up these feathers. Yeah. So it's up to you how oh, many you Simon throw. Offered. Do you want to um, do it with a flourish or just, just want to do a few? Because you're picking a few, them up. Yeah. Um, it made me think, like, if you were getting married, wouldn't you like that as confetti? Um, to both... Throw white feathers, yeah, or is it symbolic nice. of something horrible? Or is there a reason? Like, do they are they slippery or something? Do they? I don't know. Are are they like eco friendly or not? Yes, we just could you just chuck a, chuck a chicken up? It's probably see? it's probably better for the environment than um you know the classic paper confetti that people say don't use. Anyway, um she she's mad at Simon. She reckons that she's been making he's been making fun of her. Um, and uh, that's about it. He's like, it, no, really. it's um, not even that funny. <laughs> he said, but at first he says, I didn't know anything about it. And then, um, he's not very We have an advert lying. break, and then he says, All right, oh, yeah, fine. Yeah, you got me. I was just trying to get you to leave the house, and it worked. So she then orders him out. Yeah, get out. Peter, meanwhile, is shattered on the sofa at number one, and Steve says you need to focus on something you're just not trying. I, I know so what Leanne should get for Christmas, and it's. Um, one of those like trick trap doors that has a chute that takes you outside with a big lever she can pull. And so when it annoys her, she just pulls the lever and they go, woo! <laughs> That's like, like Mr. Burns has in his office. Yeah, or like Sweeney Todd. Yes. <laughs> um, so Leanne, we, we, we think that Leanne by this point has realised that um, you can't she was barking up the wrong tree. the medium of feathers. But no, she finds the original feather in yeah. amongst all the other feathers. I don't know whether this one had like a special glow or a sparkle or something. And then she goes, Simon, Simon, I just realised the first feather, the one that made you want to plant all the feathers to make me feel better. You didn't plant the first one, did you? So that must have definitely come from Ollie. <laughs> that was like, you're <laughs> Leanne, so mean. Come on. Come on, girl. Well, he says this is from Oliver, and he's and so Simon says he's like, no, it isn't. He's dead. Slap. <laughs> he earns a good old slap around the chops from his. And that was really that well one. done. They did that. I guess they did that with just the the camera trick because she must have been nowhere near him, but it no. did look like she gave him a good old slap. <laughs> um, and so we we have another scene with Simon and Brian later together, and Brian's telling him that he needs to take recycling more seriously. You've got to save the world. And Simon says, oh, what's the point of saving the world? The world's going to hell, and we're all going with it. Um, and now I'm going to go and... Oh, no, then he gets blown off for this uh, meal by Peter. Peter's like, oh, I can't come to speed dial with you. Sorry, I've got a really great, I've got a really hard jigsaw to do. So Simon, his only his, his only choice now is to go and do some drugs, drugs, delivering. Drugs, drugs, drugs. For Jacob. Yeah, that's it. Um, what, did we, what did we think of this this week then? Feel um, sorry for Leanne or did you think that she was just being a bit too cray cray? <laughs> We've been teaching you slang. Um, Jacob. Yeah, I... Oh, to feel sorry for yeah, I do. I I think um, I think many times people 
can fall down these rabbit holes and think that there's a significance to things that perhaps there isn't and if honestly as well if it makes you happy then fine I know which I is what Simon was so thinking as well yeah, wasn't Simon's it I thought that really was quite mean. nice like you, why, couldn't Simon, why couldn't Simon just have said yes he sent you a feather the other ones were from me but that one was from Oliver or even even can I just say either Nick or Simon saying I'm glad you're happy and leave it at that that you don't need to say he's dead I don't think she thinks he's alive because he's sending her feathers What's the difference between getting seeing a feather and saying, my child is trying to let me know that they're at peace or believing in God and saying, I know that he's in heaven or believing in anything, you know, just because this belief system is something that she's made up for herself. I, I I thought I thought it was sweet that Simon was doing all those other feathers. To well, be it's honest, typical Simon of like getting something like that's kind of okay and then turning it into something ridiculous. That I, I don't I it. don't think he was turning it into something ridiculous. I think that he was he's been trapped with her in that house for the best part of what two months now and seen what she's become yeah. and he's desperately trying whatever he can is, to though, get her he out. Introduced or... an element of um, of dishonesty and. Uh, What's the word? He he lied. He lied to her, which isn't right. Mm, I suppose it's, it's one of these things that she's bound to find out eventually, or one day the well, feathers are going to run out. If you leave a bag of feathers or... in the bin, you might get caught out. Where do you get the feathers from, Simon? Are you telling me as well that there's not a feather in that house that he could have found? You know, none of these pillows that they've got millions of has a single feather in it. I don't believe you. <laughs> he could have just taken a feather out of any of the cushions. Do you think Leanne would have kept all the feathers and? made him into a little pillow and then she could have a little snuggle with Ollie every night. Whatever. I don't care what she does as long as she's happy and she's not delusional. I, I It just felt to me, even though we've seen sides of her being delusional quite a bit in the past six months with, you know, believing that Dr. Schmitz would, would come in and, uh, and save Ollie's life and everything, it just, it, it clashes a little bit with my idea of Leanne's rationality, especially at the same time at the moment this week in the 97 episodes when um, everybody on the street seems to think that all the houses are being haunted um, and it turns out that it's just Les um, going around the attics and and, and going in to visit everyone. And and out of everybody, Leanne is the one that's saying, no, don't be stupid, it's not a ghost, it's not... But she's just being an edgy teen as well, though. It's just... It it was just very, very... um, clear how different a character Leanne is now to how she was then I know everybody changes and, and things like that we don't all stay the same as we were when we were 17 but um yeah it, it, it I don't know it just didn't it didn't sit quite right with me that she was so so sure that this was Ollie and and when the when the what? other feathers she found again at the end and, and then she said oh but this one is from him I was like oh I don't know that, that was just what was going on in the back of my head this week um Anyway, um... Listen, uh, what she was going through is is something that is used against people by, like, con artists like Rosemary. Um, it's called subjective validation, which is when you are presented with lots of different things, but you select the truth based on something that's got a personal significance to you. And this is why people can be tricked so easily, because if you if you're given, like... Say, like, in a cold reading, you're given loads of pieces of information and, like, out of ten, three of them are true. 
you're going to focus if you want to believe in mm. the three that are true and not the three the 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 rest that aren't right so so she's putting significance onto these feathers and she's not thinking you know what i did see a feather a year ago and it wasn't anything to do with ollie you know what i mean she's choosing to believe this and everybody's guilty of it in different ways and it's very easy to trick people not that i mean leanne was tricking herself i I don't think i don't think it's fair to characterize leanne as sort of unintelligent or um irrational irrational or even inconsistent with her previous beliefs uh, to say that she saw a feather and thought it was a sign i suppose she has been trapped inside for a month as well and that's enough to drive everybody crazy as as we know from the living through the past 12 months um do, do you think that what happened to simon today was um a believable reason for him to double down on this drug dealing delivering dark path that he's on because it it feels like now if it's like he had a little they had a little taster of it last week and then realized that that's not for him but now he's like no i'm definitely going to do it i i, I kind of i i think it, it felt him, fairly believable reason for him, him to being uh rebellious as well as he, he's been trying everything that he can for the last couple of months to get to make things better for Leanne. And all yeah. he's got for it is being abuse, shouted at. Ignored. Um, yeah. So now he said, screw it. And I think that is is quite Simonish, isn't it? Because we've, we've seen, you know, we, we saw him being a, a horrible teenager and now and we've seen him start to grow up a little bit. But I think, um, yeah, the, the, the nice Simon, let me make your breakfast for your mum, let me, you know let's be let's be best mates and watch a, a rom-com together on the sofa that simon never really felt right to me so i'm i'm kind of glad in a way that he's going back to the dark side hmm. it could be quite fun and i and I, i'm i'm warming to jacob as well actually i think that the <laughs> i think i think that the actor he's that, i know no i know but i think that the actor who plays him is doing not a bad job actually of coming across as being intimidating when he needs to i'm almost not really liking seeing him um, getting a bit worried when he's on the phone to the boss. Um, and I, I know that, I, I suppose that's supposed to represent the fact that, you know, Simon's at the very bottom of the pile and he's being um, exploited because he needs the money and he doesn't have a criminal record, or does he? I can't remember at the moment. Um, and, and, and this is where the, what these kind of drugs barons who are into the county line stuff, they go for people who can go under the radar so simon's at the very bottom there and then there's jacob the rung above him and then we've got the boss the rung, the rung above him um i can't remember what my point i was making was now but basically um i prefer jacob as a character to some of the other horrible teenagers that we've been introduced to over the past couple of years like Corey and tyler do you like him are you still um, reserving ju- judgment he's, he's a goon but a believable goon, I think. Can I just say one thing that I did not like about us in the whole week? What? We got re- um, referring to a jigsaw as a game. <laughs> what are you on? <laughs> you, how do you win it? Game night. If I went round someone's house for game night and I walked in and he was sitting with a blanket round him doing a jigsaw puzzle of a beans on toast, <laughs> I would leave immediately. I thought there's not beans on Weetabix. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> right, you can do the Billy and Paul, Paul story. Paul Lather, everybody. Monday, Billy's feeling overwhelmed because the parishioners are, are are asking him for things and he's like, Well, it's no, mostly about they want ask, ramps in the church. God, pray for it. Oh, it's not my job to... To fulfil, he's your... realising that being an archdeacon isn't uh, means that he has to have parishioners from all over Weatherfield moaning in his ear, yeah, and not, not just, just from his locals. church. And he's starting to regret not just having this free house. Yeah, he's like, I didn't. This would be. I didn't think it would be hassle. I didn't think I deserved a house, but now I do. <laughs> <laughs> so really, the problem is that, and they're doing the house up as well. Aren't I know. They? I think they're convert. They said they were converting it, and I think that Billy came up with some like really. Um, really nice and worthy idea of like turning it into sheltered accommodation or so the next archdeacon that comes yeah. along is like can i have my... no, no i'll have the house please get out please and it's like sorry mr this... holier than thou current yeah. archdeacon but i'm taking your job and i want the house back yes thank you <laughs> um so their problem is that they want wheelchair access to and there's too many of them and he doesn't know what to do so Billy, uh, Todd says, why don't you sell the pews? Pew, pew. And Billy says, but why? But no. This is to raise money to... Well, to raise money and also get rid of the pew to... The... It's B-Y-O-C. Bring your own chair. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly the wheelchair people are like, finally. <laughs> now we're at advantage. What are you going to do? Yeah. So, um... Return yes. story for Izzy. So I like, I like that. I, I, I understand they're going to buy replacement chairs, but it does feel a bit like Todd was saying, look, if they've got a problem, why don't you just get rid of all the chairs? <laughs> um, what about those funny little um, embroidered cushions? They could just sit on those. Oh, yeah, the kneeling cushions. Yes. Yeah. Um, but See, but at, at my church... They um, did this. This is a common thing that's been... They, they have sold the pews. Um, and, and we managed I to sneak it's... in there and get married, like, what, a year, two years we literally, before they literally, one they of the reasons them. we were, like, getting there before they sell those pews, I'm not getting married well, I don't think we realised that they were going to sell the pews at the time, but it was very lucky. Um, and, and, and this is the church that I go to with school, because we're a Church of England school, so we go there every Thursday, although not for a little while, as, as you can we imagine. We still have a service, and we, you yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, so they've, they've just got these soft chairs now, and they are quite nice, but... I, I do like a good ambience. pew. The ambiance of a pew cannot be understated, can it? No. What's the point of the church without pews? Yeah, I know they're a bit, you know, a bit hard on the bum when you have to get a bit You've up close and attention. personal with the person next to you. You've got to pay attention. It's communal. Yeah. Everybody's got an achy bum. And so you're all <laughs> united in wanting to get out as soon as possible. <laughs> Todd says, so, so, but Billy's like, oh, I don't know. And then Todd says, guess what? I've already found a buyer. £6,000 for all these pews. Why... Why would you turn it down? So Billy goes and and Todd phones the guy back and says, yeah, uh, the vicar's like a, a big hard ass and he went except less than seven and <laughs> a half. He would know. <laughs> what, because he's been sitting on the pews? <laughs> um, no. he's, he's got seven and a half, seven and a half grand. So he's going to make a grand and a half out of uh, uh, selling these pews. That didn't really go anywhere after this, did it? I kind of like, like that, that. yeah. <laughs> uh, Wednesday. I also like the fact that, um, that Billy, that, Billy's like, oh, what should I do? And then Todd's like, sell your pews. And then he, and then Billy's like, okay. And then Todd's like, thank God, because I really didn't know how to tell this guy that's phoned me up asking me for pews that I didn't know where to get any from. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> so anyway, on Wednesday, um, everyone's happy to sell these pews. Just sell the heritage of the church. Why not? Um, so it's the bishop. Here's an idea. Sell like two pews and let the wheelchair users sit in that bit but i think it's also like i said to get money to make the weatherfield churches 
Um, Start a GoFundMe. Do an Indiegogo. <laughs> Why doesn't he like put together a cool jigsaw of um of pews of Weatherfield? <laughs> Peter would buy can. it. Well, I don't know whether they're going to go down this route because I assume we are going to see inside St Mary's Church again at some point. <laughs> And they're not going to have cleared out all the pews. Maybe they've sold their pews already. <laughs> Maybe they have. And they're like, guys, I can't, I don't know what to tell you, but if you're planning on having any pew-related storylines, <laughs> you're going to have to find a new venue. And so the, <laughs> and the location scout's like, I ain't looking for another church. You're going to have to do something about this. Do you think pews. Billy's going to try and take the pew that he... You know, one of the pews in his church. He goes, oh, this is the one that I shot up on heroin on. <laughs> this has got memories for me. Can bench. I just keep this one? <laughs> oh, oh, don't. Hang on. Uh, you want to wear gloves for that one? Because I think I've put... Yeah, there's the needle stashed on. <laughs> um, so, uh, B- Paul... <sighs> Billy's chuffed. So is the bishop. They're going to sell these pews. Paul comes into the cafe. Um, but everybody's a bit awkward. Um, even though... Uh, it's his mum, what's her face? Bernie. Bernie's behind the counter. Um, he can't handle everybody staring at him, so he leaves, and I think Bernie's a bit annoyed. Um, Paul tells Todd that he's going to quit because he can't handle quit being what? around. Working in the factory? Correct. Just checking, you remembered. I think his job in the factory is to make a cup of tea or watch somebody else making a cup of tea and say, I don't want a cup of tea. Paul has been doing an excellent packing job in the factory. Oh, that's true. Poor old Kirk. Is now on his lonesome. Yeah. Um, who was it that was helping him once? Is the girl work- working there? Uh, was it Abby? Don't know. There's something about Kirk that people, as soon as they work for in packing, want to get out immediately. <laughs> I don't know what it could be. Um, he can't handle being there, so he so quits. He mopes around in Victoria Gardens with Bernie. Ed comes along and says, "Do you want a job?" <laughs> Um, and, and Bernie's like, yes, he does. He would love a job. And it turns out it is converting the Archdeacon's house. What a coincidence. I guess it must... Is it converting to Buddhism? <laughs> yeah, fine, if the Archdeacon you doesn't want it. Walk, if you uh, got a job for you, you just walk up and down with uh, yellow, uh, orange robes on. <laughs> Paul says, no way, I'm not going to do that because that's... The opposite of what I want. They're too close to the bone. Yeah. I, I also can't believe that you of all people are doing this. Um, because that's a bit of a coincidence. And n- nobody says anything because he's just mm. being a bit too meta there. Um, Summer comes along and says, you offered me a, pro- a present at Christmas, which is my Apollo- Apollo's Creed, which is quite funny. You roll your eyes because you didn't think of it because you uh... don't know anything about films. Um he is supposed to take her to town and they're supposed to have fun and he says, I can't because I haven't got any money. And then it comes over and says, I know how you can have money. Do the job I asked you to do. <laughs> you um, you I'll can give have your you... wages in advance if you like. I don't know why Ed's being so nice, but he is. Um, he obviously wants he a boyfriend a, for James. He just needs another labourer. And, and, and um, so Paul says, all right then. So he, he um, buys... A oh no, Todd by Summer because it's Summer's birthday, which is even more ironic why she's called Summer. <laughs> why would you call somebody Summer who was born in February? Isn't that really cruel? Well, you know, it's like some people name their children after the place they were conceived, some people oh! the season. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. 
Um, so he's bought a fancy stay away in Buckinghamshire, but he's going tomorrow. So obviously he got it at a discount. Is all I'm going to say. Um, <clears throat> Paul Paul was going to say that he's got the money to take her out, but he backs down because he feels again like he's being um, he's not worthy. He's uh, insignificant to pe- compared to Todd. Todd goes to see Billy. He says um, he's drunk, isn't he, Billy? Because mm. he's so excited about this piece. <laughs> Um, it gets and and Todd's like, um, what do you mean stay a bit longer? And Billy's like, I don't know. What would Billy say? A euphemism, a weird euphemism. I can't remember, but um, I don't remember. But he, B- Billy says, um, Billy says, you know, no. What, what? Billy's like seems to be like trying to get Todd to stay the night, and and Todd's like. Uh, I don't know. Todd says that I can go now if that's what you want. Hmm? 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 You want me to go? You don't want me to go, really, do you? And Billy says, yeah, you should probably go because he's falling under Todd's spell. Yeah. I thought this was going to go somewhere on today's episode. I thought that with... I thought um, we'd get Billy and Todd waking up in the bed together. Obviously, we can't. No, no, I I thought that with um, with Todd and... um, with with Summer out the picture in Buckinghamshire or, or but I thought Billy, Billy was going. Yeah, okay. but then maybe huh. Todd and um would try and screw Paul over, but he uh, I did didn't I am not complaining because I found this story rather dull. And th- and I said to you when we were watching it on Wednesday, it feels it's it's a bit um I can't remember what the word is, but it feels like not only does this story feel like it's been dragging on forever, but it also kind of feels like we're only just at the beginning of it. I wouldn't be surprised if the story is still going, you know, six, know. eight months down the line. Um, because Paul's still got to go out. I mean, Billy probably will go out with Todd for a little you know bit what? and then I've he won't and then he'll get back. And I I can just feel this dragging out through 2021 and I, oh, I don't like that. I, you know how Billy keeps, for some reason, men- mentioning that he wants to marry Paul, but he can't? Yes. I wonder whether Todd will get with Paul and then try to get him to marry him straight away to try to upset Billy. Maybe. Because I, I don't understand why they keep talking and bringing up marriage. I don't know. I mean, they, I don't think they brought it up that much. But they brought it up a lot of times right. considering that it's literally impossible for them to get married. Mm. And I think it's it's unnecessarily antagonistic to people of faith who um sort of... Church of England people to keep bringing up the fact that that Billy can't get married in the church when you know mm. it's because of his religion and he's obviously chosen to be this religion. Yeah, I said this before on the podcast. He could be a Christian of a different what are they called denomination. That's it. <laughs> I don't think people generally just pick and choose and swap. I know Henry the Eighth did, but. I think most people, it's just what they're going to grow up into, isn't it? Well, I'm not going to say anything, but I think, think, all right, I will say something. Oh, that's a bit silly. You will say something. I just did it. Oh, okay, fine. Well, the thing is, if you, if you, why wouldn't you change? If this is not your beliefs anymore, mm. why wouldn't you go? Well, there must be he a did branch. have this crisis of faith, what, three years ago or something, didn't he? I know, but there's literally no point in, in being a part of a religion that you don't agree on some of the major tenets of and then saying there's no way I can do anything about it when there are other denominations who would say, yeah, you can get married in our church. We, we think it's brilliant. You could just, you know, have a little break from it. <laughs> go to another denomination, then have come back to Have a little break from being a vicar. 
uh, anyway, um, I yeah, I I didn't find this particularly interesting. I still like Todd. I I'm still enjoying Gareth Pierce's Todd, but um. I'm enjoying the fact uh, that Paul did a building course in prison. Oh yes, that was very really coincidental, wasn't it? That was a double coincidence in that scene. One that they're doing at the Archbe- Archdeacon's house, and two that he happens to have got building training. Um, building also, training. Also, did you notice yes. um, that there was some construction work going on at the? Um, is it an old council building or something? The one that's was, ne- yeah, in between the builder's yard and the Victoria Gardens. Yeah. So they've got this it's um, been a council wooden, for ages saying, we've moved. Wooden construction stuff. Ooh, outside. I don't know what the word there? is. I don't know, but it looks like finally, because this, this is the the place that um, Daniel and Sinead were going to get yeah. for their, for and their business Brian and, and Brian and Kathy. But now finally it looks like maybe they're going to be doing something. And this was them. like, when they first brought in Victoria Street, we were saying, oh wow, it's really great. I, I kind of like the fact that there's no really, there's not really any businesses on the street and they're, so they're going to fill it up. <laughs> And then they haven't done anything. No. Except open speed dial. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, right, let's move on to the next story. Is this, is this me or is this you? I got lost. This is me, isn't it? Yeah. Bailey's. So we've got Wednesday. Michael is getting very, very excited about this whole baby thing that's imminently going to be um, dropping on them. And he's looking up alternative childbirth methods um, like water births and... Oh, I thought you were going to say he's going to give birth to it. That'd be the probably the one that most pregnant women would go with. No, the alternative childbirth. I don't know birth what else there is other than water you birth. Push it out. Bungee birth, and Grace looks <laughs> like she's getting a little bit out of her depth with it. She's not out of her depth. Well, she she just she doesn't. She doesn't she, want to bloody hear him going on about something all day, every day. in theory that he's got nothing to do with. It's a, do you think a bungee birth would be the woman is on the bungee or is it some kind of umbilical cord thing? Or is it that the woman stand, uh, lies there on her back with her legs open no. above, a, uh, above a bridge and somebody bungee jumps in, grabs the baby and then pulls it back out again? Men should not be involved in this <laughs> at any stage. That's why I'm not a midwife. Um, anyway, Grace tells Michael eventually that he's been too full on with this and she wants time to think about it herself and goes out. And I keep forgetting whether they're a couple or not. And we were definitely told today that they're not. But I think in my head they are. So they might as well just get on with it. A bit like Billy and uh, Todd, really. They just need to get on with being a couple because we... It feels fairly... we want them feels to. Fairly we're imminent. the ones that matter. Um, Aggie suggests that Grace give up being a stroppy mare for Lent. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Um, and Grace says, look, sorry about that. I just feel a little bit upset because I, I don't feel like I deserve all that Michael's doing for me. He's going to be an excellent father. And then Michael comes home. They make up. But then Ed comes in and says, hey, everybody... Uncle Ronnie's coming tomorrow. Yay. You know, Uncle Ronnie, we talk about him all the time. He's Yay. the other member of our family. And uh, Aggie is not exactly subtle goes, in her disappointment God, about this no. news. Harry, oh, horrible. Ronnie. Oh, yeah. Great, Ronnie. And, and this continues throughout Friday. And let's just um, make it clear in case it wasn't. It's, uh, it's Ed's brother. Ed's brother, it's Ronnie. not Aggie's brother. No. Um, Aggie wants to know what Ronnie is up to. She yeah. reckons that he's, you know, he's up to something, yeah. and, and he can't. He, he hasn't been round to visit him for a very long time. He's never come if to see them in Coronation Street, at least. Um, what's he up to? Um, meanwhile, Paul is uh, mingling storylines a little bit himself, here. He's got himself his, his job. job. He's yeah. got his hard hat and his reflective jacket at the builder's yard, and he's he's earned himself his uh, his, his gold star Tell by sweeping what, up around the yard. If I worked. At the builder's yard, I would never make money because I'd spend all my wages on coffee from Costa 
and go in and speed dial for my lunch, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, James comes around and tells Ed that, um, oh, another club are sizing him up for the next transfer winner. Crofley Town. Is this a real football team? I don't know. It's not Manchester United. That's all that matters. Ed's well chuffed at this. Um, he also uh, takes the opportunity to remind him to watch out for Uncle Ronnie, who doesn't know he's gay. So Paul overheard them talking about this, and he has this little chat with Ed about. Um, he said, "Oh, I remember this time last year. You didn't know that James was gay, and then you didn't. You weren't really happy about it for to for a little bit, were you at the beginning?" And Ed said, "I just want. I just want whatever life will give my boy less grief. I just want the world to change." And I don't think that necessarily is what I think Ed did actually have a bit of a problem with it. I thought it was that, though. I can I can sympathise with a parent who is told a child is going to suffer from discrimination, thinking, I wish this wasn't the case. And it's not... Oh, yeah, I, 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 I believe mean? that as well. I, just, I think it's... I th- yeah. The way I remember it, but maybe I'm just remembering what they thought that Ed was thinking he about. He was it. saying stuff like, the family won't like this. Yeah. Because there was some some people... Um, we had some feedback. I can't even remember if you read it out or not, but I know that um, some people were saying um, that there's a problem with homophobia in some Caribbean yeah. communities, which I, you know... But it turns out that Uncle Ronnie is fine because he rocks up later in his swish car, gets introduced to Grace, who he charms. He's a, he's just the... He's a charmer. He yeah. is a, he is, goes a jack- up on the charm offensive. I quite like Ronnie so far. Yeah, I do They decide well. to go down the pub for a pint and uh, James, yeah, James wastes no time in revealing that he's gay. What did to, he say? I've forgotten. Um, it was, uh, uh, Ronnie's like, oh... You, I'm oh, sorry, are you a, oh, yes. you're a bit of a no, player, no, aren't you? You this. go down wherever. We need and to James say this. Says, Michael, shut up. He what? says, Michael, he's saying it. Go on. Go on. He says, Oh, you're going to celebrate down Dean's Gate. And then um, James says, Canal Street's more my kind of thing. And I don't know how famous these areas are outside of Manchester or the North, but that's a. Obvious. If you listen to the podcast, you probably do know, but Canal Street is like the gay district. Yeah, they've Manchester. had they've featured Canal they've Street. They've talked about it a few Street times. A but I am going to say, if you're not from Manchester or you're not from the area, this is a very obscure reference. Which yeah. I'm kind of surprised. Canal Street is the place where all the dead bodies float up, isn't it? <laughs> That's what you would be thinking. Um, but if you're not from the UK as well, you wouldn't know. No, not necessarily. Um, no. Ronnie says, "Good for you," and James is relieved, and he leaves. Because um, he's he's had his quota of scenes for the week, well, month probably. Um, the rest of the family turn up later and uh, they're playing their darts and everything and things are looking very frosty between Ronnie and Aggie still. He's he's um, he's he's kind of acting like everything's cool and normal, isn't he? He's giving him a bit of a look every now and then, but I think it's just because she's looking daggers at him constantly. Um, and they, they talk about, you know, remember back in the day... Remember mum did this and that? Yeah, yeah, they kind of... They poke fun at Aggie a little bit, and and Ronnie takes part in this. And in fact, there was a bit, there was a bit earlier on where Ronnie's like, "Oh, is Aggie still here, or she's not left you, or something?" I can't remember what yeah. he says, but he's kind of insinuating that. But it's one of these things where he's got plausible deniability, where he can be like, "Oh, it's just a joke," or yeah. I was just saying that she's too good for you. Or yeah. Whatever. Well, Aggie starts. Uh, Aggie says, "Right, I, I need to go back home." Um, I, she makes her excuses. She says, "I've remember. got loads of ironing to do." 
Oh, what is it with the women on the street? Hope she remembers to plug it in. <sighs> anyway, so they all go and they. She goes and they all uh, crack the rum out. Knowing knowing Aggie's cavalier approach to cooking, as she has the same for laundry, they'll come <laughs> home and their jeans will be full of pleats. <laughs> um, so back home, Grace. Oh, no, yeah, this is back at home and it's just Grace and Aggie there. And Grace is like, what's, what's the deal between you and Ronnie? Because it seems like you've got beef with him. Um, what's the what's the, what's the backstory there? What's your dark soap secret that you've got yeah. this time? <laughs> and Aggie's like, oh, it's it's nothing, you know, you can just lead Ed astray and I don't really trust him. Uh, and right on cue, yeah. Ed comes... Um, Drunkenly just drunkenly stumbling in. in, yeah, with his he kind of t- tosses his keys on the floor, and uh, he's been having a, a good old time with a run with with uh, Ronnie, and um, he also says that uh, Ronnie's going to be moving in round here, so we better watch out. And Aggie <laughs> is still kind of seething there, and Grace gives her a, a look as yeah. if to say, "I don't believe you." Interesting. That, that that's all it is. Interesting. Now here's the question. Is Grace going to leverage this in Aggie's favour to try to win her over? Or is she going to try to use this against Aggie because she hates her? Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I mean, she... Yeah, it depends how happy she is with the situation where they're both just hating each other when they're in private. Does she want... Does she secretly just want to be accepted? And if so, this could be a great opportunity for her to ally herself with Aggie in some manner and uh, sort of become in cahoots with her or w- get one over on her just, just for revenge. Mm. For... Well, the fact that um, earlier on Wednesday she was saying, oh, I can't believe how lucky I am to have Michael and everything, it's kind of... It, that maybe makes it look like she she wants to put their differences beside them and then beside. just be, an, uh, be a nice daughter-in-law. But yeah. I think that the, the temptation of some kind of blackmail might be too strong to resist yeah, for Grace when she I, inevitably I think... finds out what exactly the secret is. She'd probably try to hold it against her, I think. But it is interesting because the power, she would have a bit of power there that she hasn't had before because she's been on the back foot of, you know, needing something from Aggie that Aggie doesn't really need to give her back. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think everybody... Well, the, the internet all says, oh, Ronnie and uh, Aggie have been must have had an affair or yeah. something like that. I mean, I've seen... I can't think of anything else it could be because... Well, um... I, saw, I, saw, I think Rebecca tweeted us and said, oh, maybe um, Ronnie attacked her or something, but then I don't know why oh, why would... Aggie would have kept that a secret and not, not told well, her. Well, I mean, so it's, it's not unusual for a woman to feel as though she's done something wrong. I suppose so. And um, feel as though she has to keep the secret to keep a family together yeah um or does does she know is, has he got some kind of dodgy criminal past I me mean, he's obviously pretty minted as his money come from criminal um dealings and aggie it, knows about it that only aggie knows about because everybody like if they um if it was something just sort of a joint secret then they would have said something to her like "get over it now, we have" or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Only and she can know. And it can be him being a criminal because I don't know why she would keep that a secret. That that's the thing. It, it, the only reason that she would really keep it a secret, if she hates him that much, why wouldn't she just tell Ed? Apart yeah. from to you know keep a a happy life, she oh. must have done something wrong as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe they robbed a bank together. Uh, yeah, maybe they robbed a <laughs> bank and ran over the security maybe. guards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting out of that old story again. Yeah, Try maybe again. that lady will come come back to the pub and go, I owe your husband an apology. <laughs> it was actually it Abby. It was a completely different set of people that also robbed a, robbed a thing. It's just a... a um, what's the word? It's just uh, crossed wires. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was those people next door. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it, it it feels like it's going down that route, and I'm sure that uh, it won't be too long before we find something because they they were certainly so laying it on thick. I was so expecting the episode to end with, uh, you know, Aggie sort of uh, meeting, uh, what's his face? Ronnie in a Ronnie dark and alley. Ronnie and the girl going, keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Because it, 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 it's not exactly subtle. We don't need to see any more of those looks, really, to know that something's going on. So I hope that they don't drag it on for, for so too long. So are, are we of the opinion that they're, they've had an affair? It, it, it would seem, having watched Coronation Street for many a year now, that? that this would be the most likely... Did you see that which, um, tweet that... Somebody, you showed me that tweet. Are we going to mention that tweet? Because I, I thought it was funny. I don't remember what tweet you're talking well, about. You, some, you showed me a tweet. Somebody says, which one of the Bailey children is secretly Ronnie's child? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> is it going to be... Seems pretty perfect for a soap plot, it, to be fair. Out of the two, who do you think it would be? James or... Cause we well, only... you would have thought the older one. Why? Um... I don't. Um, the other thing is that's quite is funny. Is it could be Dee Dee, and that's it why could, I haven't met her yet. It could be. It could be Dee Dee, and she just she's the exact spit of Ronnie. I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah, they just need to cast Ronnie first. That's why we haven't seen Dee Dee yet. Yes. Um, yeah, and no, she turns it up. Could be James. She turns up in a what? What was it? A Mercedes, wearing a grey suit and a flat cap. Yeah. Going, All right, All right, fam. <laughs> um, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I hope that I, don't, I, don't, I honestly do hope that Ronnie's not um, secretly the dad. Of I hope that he's not. I, I, that's just ugh. We, we've had too many stories of people <laughs> finding out that somebody, somebody else is. Yeah, it's been that has been done far far too much. I, know, I don't particularly listen, mind the suspicion, but, but I don't listen, want it to actually be true. If you listen to the stories about um, people getting those DNA tests for Christmas and stuff, that seems to yeah. happen more than you think. Yeah. And they haven't done that yet, but that would be quite a fun um, plot. Have they not done? Have they done, done it? what? Getting a DNA test. I'm oh yeah, they, people get no, DNA no, for Christmas. No, not for Christmas. That's ringing the bell for some reason. <laughs> but wouldn't it be wouldn't it be funny if like Michael um said oh for for Grace's birthday I've got us both DNA tests so that our baby can find out more about their family and then um and Aggie's like no. Maybe. <laughs> that would be good. Oh. Because I think that's really topical and it's such a soapy thing that they haven't done on Corrie. Yeah. Isn't it? It really, really is. And they even, they even, we know that they know about it because they had it on that mm. Who Do You Think You Are episode where they all did their DNA tests and found out that they were 1% African. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it would, it would be, it would feel like it's a little bit too coincidental that not six months after we had the last revelation, Tiana's not really Michael's daughter. <laughs> Michael's not really Ed's son. I mean, where where does this stop? Ed's not actually Aggie's husband. I don't know. Yeah. Um. They 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 can't keep <laughs> doing that to us, and I don't want. I think it'd be really sad because you know I love Michael, and I don't want his world to be. I don't want him to 
No, I know. Have that happen to him to again? To Michael, for Michael. Yeah, James can take the fall on this one. Yeah, actually, I yeah. think, or maybe Dee because. Uh, well, let's we let's just let's yet. just address one issue that would come up then if it were to be James, is that if Ronnie, if they're like, don't tell Ronnie that you're gay because he'd have a problem with it, mm. and it's secretly his child, and he would know that it's his child. You think he would have reacted a bit more once he found out that he was gay? Maybe. He, he did take it very much in his stride, didn't he? He was like, they? I don't care. Yeah. Whereas if you yeah. were, you know... Potentially his dad. And you had a problem with him being gay, you yeah. might go... Yeah. <gasps> what do you think about the whole um, James getting transferred to another club? I think he should go. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that this is a James, James exit storyline already? Please don't let us hold you back. You're... You're destined for better things. Th- well, it's a shame that Footballer's Wives isn't still on. He could go and be in that. Mm. Um, or maybe it is on, I don't know. I don't know where this other place was, because I don't know whether it was a made-up football club that he's being transferred to or not. But... Well, Weatherfield is a made-up football club, so from one fictional one to another. Yeah. Maybe you can get a foreign transfer think... to Charleville FC. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to be sad to see him go if he does leave, unfortunately. He's not made I don't. I don't feel like he is. No, I know. I think like they've barely even started with James yet, but they could be like. There's a lot of potential there. Yeah, but they, but, but it's taken them you know two years and they still haven't really gone anywhere with Football. it. Um, one in, one out for the Baileys, perhaps because um already James, I mean Ronnie seems to have infinitely more personality and um watchability to him than James does. I I do, I quite like quite like this new guy already. Domino's rum. Yes. Not real either. I don't think. Um. Yeah, no, I, I I thought it was good. I liked I liked the charms. I liked how he was. Um, he had Emma, yeah, eating out the palm of his hands. I can't remember. Rockstar. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Who who would he charm on the street? Maybe maybe. No, I said I didn't want Anyone. Debbie. Didn't want Everyone. Debbie to have a a boyfriend, but they could be too rich. Richos together. Why can't he seduce Abby away from Kevin with his fancy cars? Hmm. Right, let's do we'll downward see. Dobbs. Go on then. On Monday, Fizz is fretting about Gary uh, telling him about the fact that Tyrone and Alina filled a truck with his stolen property. Um, Tyrone and Oberlin's like, how are you to know? So she goes to see Gary and she tells him and apparently he was, wasn't really mad. I quite like that scene where she's waffling on about um, Toblerones and stuff that yeah. Evelyn was supposed to have... And what was the thing about Toblerone? I can't even remember what it was. Oh, no, Evelyn had give, given her a Toblerone to, to give to Carrie as a present, but then it had been confiscated once they got to prison. Yeah. I'm glad she didn't try to stuff it anywhere. No, it um, would have one... been uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, ooh, triangular prison. Worse than sitting on a pew. Um, He can't sack her, apparently, from in prison, but I don't believe that. But it's only because he hasn't got anyone to replace her with. Yeah. So they... But he... Well, it seems that Fizz is, like on duty all day every day she's running the business while he's in prison basically so he's like does she ever get a break well he says you've got to pay me back 600 pounds which i don't know where he got that number from but also she's probably that was the worth of all the stuff i know but he's she's probably procured this he didn't buy it he's in prison he's probably been knocking around the shop for a long time yeah probably he's yeah he should be lucky to get rid of it so uh, everyone's stressed out, and so Tyrone uh, doubles over on the sofa, clutching his heart. Um, so they have to take him to hospital, and Fizz and Tyrone are worried, but it turns out it was just acid heart, acid reflux or something, or Re- indigestion. Reflux refrigeratus or something, is heart that? I don't burn. know. 
It, it, it wasn't, wasn't anything too bad. He needs to change his diet and get some exercise. So on Wednesday, he's eating bran flakes. Um, he comes back from town. He's bought himself a yoga mat and he's going to start yoga. And he is his only outfit for exercise is a Weather County outfit. So he goes off to yoga wearing a football outfit. Um he yeah he also finds out before he leaves that kevin's been rescued and he's like oh i probably shouldn't go then because i need to um be here for kevin and evelyn's making fun of him and she uses reverse psychology on him to make him go to yoga and he comes back and he's a bit tired that's it what a gripping storyline that was this week (laughs) this is like so relatable i've been to yoga and it was tiring (laughs) i have had acid reflux before It was very, it was very dramatic. It didn't take me to hospital, but then I'm not a soap character, so no. uh, I just deal with it in my own way. I, I, <sighs> well, look, because NHS is free. You just go for it. Um, and let's face it, none of us have been out for a while. Yeah. It's probably a nice day out. I feel bad for, uh, for Alan Halsall being told that he's, you know, that Tyrone is all out of shape and everything, because I thought that Alan was, has pretty uh, been, yeah, pretty buff over the last few years when he's been, since he's been going out with um, old Tisha. I thought that yeah, he's 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 got all all ripped and everything. So now he's being told that he's he's a big tub of lard. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe he has to wear a fat suit for the role now. Um, or maybe he's just put weight back on because it is possible. Maybe and you shouldn't be bringing it up because it's rude. Um, I enjoyed Evelyn this week. I thought that her going on about Toblerones was funny. I thought the scene where she pretended that she couldn't move her legs was weird, but still funny. Um, and I, speaking of internet theories, because, um, everyone, not only was everyone on the internet this week saying, well, obviously Ronnie and Aggie are having an, um, have had an affair together. Everyone was saying, oh, I wonder who he might bump into at the yoga. Could it be Alina maybe? And again, it, it feels like, um, the whole thing with Alina last week or the week before, whenever it was, um, wouldn't have been for nothing because these things never are on a soap. And she seems like the sort that might want to go to yoga. She's going off to yoga to sit behind uh, Lena so he can admire her um, sun salutation technique. Yeah, her her Romanian rump. And I I haven't got anything else to add about this story. It was fine. I didn't think that there was anything majorly wrong with Tyrone when he was whisked off to hospital. It seemed a bit of unnecessary melodrama. It really doesn't make sense that he's paying how much per lesson you know it's going to be about eight quid you can't do yoga in their house though can you there's not move an inch the, of carpet space move the table there's no room it's full of clutter in that move house, the table it? what to save eight quid a week get ring fit adventure like everyone else did last year yeah um johnny now this was the story where i was like oh yeah johnny's in it on monday that's good we're gonna get another week of johnny in prison but it just petered out didn't it um, Johnny's got his imaginary cat in the cell again on Monday, which I loved. He's going to go and see the shrink later who tells him that his, the reason that he's seeing hallucinations is his brain is filling in the gaps caused by the loss of sight. So yeah. he can't see things. So he's just imagining things instead. Don't worry, you're not going mad, The thing Johnny. that a lot of people don't realise is that what you see, a lot of it is not actually what is there. It's just what your brain is telling you is there. And your brain and your eyes are quite lazy a lot of the time. And so... Instead of looking at what you're seeing, your brain will just assume that what was there earlier is still there. Yeah. And that's just how your brain works to save processing power. Mm. And if you really look into it, you start to even wonder 
is anything really here at all? Is <laughs> it's it all, all just Matrix. A, so. a, and yeah, I, I, I love stuff like this. But yeah, that's basically it. So that's why sometimes when you, if you drive to work and you, you space out and you wonder how the hell you got there, it's literally, you're, you're not often looking at what's really that. there. Um, Jenny comes to visit him later. So it he, makes sense that you, yeah, you would see sense, things it makes sense. Yeah. Jenny comes and visits and he tells her that he quite likes seeing Aiden around, actually, because it makes him feel, you know, safe and happy and uh, and everything. And it, it was really quite sweet because he said when... Because Jenny says, well, you can imagine him, like I imagine Tom. And he's like, yeah, but when I imagine him, it doesn't feel half as real as what I'm seeing now. It literally looks like he's here. Mm. And I'm just seeing the back of his head and I want to be able to see the front of his face so I can say sorry and I, I thought that was really well done that was really sad um, and, and it feels so real but he, he does realise that he needs to stop or so he says but at the end of the episode we see him flushing his pills down the loo yep. and there was a nice little scene where Leanne's talking about um, struggling to get over her son being dead while Johnny is, go- is kind of trundling through his cell clearly going through the same thing in a way but also indulging himself in a fantasy. Yeah, like Leanne, like Leanne is, is. Yeah. Where they both are kind of semi-aware that they're really fooling themselves. Yeah. In a sense. But they're and doing it's, the question, it's making the question, them happy. I know, this, this, this is the question. It's like, how permissible is it to allow them to continue? I just think they should just be allowed to. It's probably not healthy and it's preventing them from moving on, but... Mm. Who are we to say? I mean, other people have more harmful ways of... Well, it's keeping Johnny busy while he's locked up, isn't keeping it? Keeping him busy, feeding a cat that's not real. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so I, I, I was very disappointed that this didn't carry on on Wednesday and Friday, and who knows when it's going to come back again. I just don't know what, what exactly the story is now. Is is it a story or is it is it not? Is it just he sees things and then he's going to, you know get out of prison and they're going to go away. I don't know. And I was still, still on Monday waiting to see, is Shane Ward going to make an appearance in today's episode? What they should have absolutely done. And I was almost thinking, yes, here it is, here it is. The scene where, this final scene where he's flushed his pills down the loo. Leanne's talking. I thought she was going to finish his sentence. He was going to go and sit on his bed and Aidan would have been sitting there next to him. That would have been a really, really good end to the episode. I thought I was waiting for it. But I think... I think the opportunity has passed now. I don't think it's going to happen, but... Come well, on, he's got a single well, out this really. week. Come on. I mean, I don't think this is going to happen, but you, you're you saying that the, the time is, is gone, but I don't agree because he's obviously trying to induce more hallucinations because he thinks that he can eventually be able to see Aiden's face. Yeah, I guess so, I guess so. So if, if, this, dis, if this deteriorates, then he might do. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I've never seen a hallucination, to my knowledge. Or have you, yeah. Um, so I don't really know what it's like. Have you ever hallucinated? Um, I, don't, I don't think so. I did see Father Christmas on my uh, back lawn that one time when I was little. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty convinced that he was real there. I've heard things, but I've not seen things. I heard birds singing. Maybe we can just hallucinate that Shane Ward is in the programme for a little bit. Why <laughs> shouldn't we be allowed to? Finally. Lovely gay dead. So on Friday, Shana tells Elaine... Elaine? Eileen, Gail is with George. Is that correct? Yeah, you you were making the dinner during this, boy. You could hear it. George is such a lovely guy, and Eileen's like, hmm. So Gail's with George. Get over it, Eileen. No, no, no. Gail is with George sorting out Ted's funeral. (laughs) Nobody's with George. Not yet. 
Gail is with him in a non-romantic sense because they're planning a funeral. In a purely professional sense. Mary is there and he, she says, he, we all just need to accept that he's a silver-tongued charmer and we're all going to fall under his, yes. his spell at some point or another. Um, unfortunately, George has had to let go a seemingly his only hearse driver. <laughs> yeah, must be. Because <laughs> he's lost his licence. Yeah, Shuttleworth's funeral director's about to downsize a bit since Archie died. Well, since the pandemic, you know, not so many people have died. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, I don't know what they do normally when this guy is sick or um, no. on holiday, but apparently they can't do whatever that is. Uh, he has to just sit there quietly panicking while a woman with brain damage gives him advice. <laughs> so Shona says, why don't you, um, why don't you, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And he says, don't tell anybody, basically. Yeah. Um, Mary bumps into George at speed dial and he says to her about this problem. Then Arlene comes in and she's obviously, I guess, I can't remember what, what, what her... I guess she still works at Streetcars, but I haven't seen her there for a long time, obviously. I don't remember. Um, Streetcars so doesn't like, even exist anymore. What's going on with Streetcars? Because yeah, it has been sold and it hasn't been bought back by it, has it? No. So, but there was a bit today when um, Michael took Uncle Ronnie out to go and see Streetcars, wasn't there? Weird. They mentioned... Oh, Do you I think Ronnie's going to be a... No, he's not going to be a taxi driver. He's no. He's got a lovely car. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Eileen's like, oh... Eileen says, I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll drive you, drive your hearse for you. But then when Gail hears about it over the phone, she's like, I'm not having her drive no, my hearse, thank you Why would you want your much. worst enemy to drive your dad's funeral car? Yeah, so George so says... So he's oh, like, just... well, yeah, it'll be Tim or Steve then. Tim or Steve. Because it's weather... What did he say? Weatherfield ex- executive something? No, it was a street... Street... Yeah, that's it. Street cars executive... Chauffeur service or something like that. Yeah, and, and sex. it's sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, I guess this is so, lining something up for next week. I like the fact that streetcars are so strapped for business that they're just hiring themselves out as funeral. Yeah, but, nobody's got anywhere to go at the moment. And I'm sure that everything will run very smoothly. Definitely in no way is this a bad idea. No fights between Gail and Eileen. There won't be any comedy driving where suddenly they forget how to drive a car and, like, drive the hearse into Underworld and then the the coffin comes tumbling out and dead Ted starts (laughs) rolling down the road. Uh, I'm so sure feel, it will be great. I feel a little bit deflated after this week's street talk. It, it didn't feel like there was a whole lot. Because I that moaned was... too much, and I was I'm too I was too critical this week because there was nothing really that was wrong about it. And my philosophical ideas about what somebody in the fridge should be saying to their brother is not really I mean, that relevant. To I, I the love rest the Johnny the stuff, but that was like three scenes, and that was done. I the the, the Tyrone stuff was inoffensive. Um, the the Billy stuff I'm not enjoying particularly. The the Bailey stuff was again fine, but you know, not going to be anyone's story of the week, is it? Oh, I th- quite Le- liked it. Leanne was okay, but I was getting a bit sick of her. And the, and the 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 freezer story, fridge story, um, it just it could have been an, an awful lot better had we not known that everything was going to be okay. I really wish I'd seen it not knowing what was going to happen with Debbie. Yeah, because most of the episodes, like Friday and Monday, I suppose, ended with, like, are they going to be all right? Are they going to survive? It looks like one of them's dead. 
But anyway, um, uh, for me, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it two and a half floating placentas out of five. I think grim. It was two just, and a half. Yeah, it was like as okay. It should have been better it should, because they made such a big deal out of this stuck in the freezer story fridge. See, I didn't. I didn't get any hype particularly, so I wasn't like they had a trailer and everything. Um, disappointed with how it ended up. Apart from to say. Again, like mourning what could have been, which is, you know, I could have really genuinely be worried that Debbie would have died. Because mm. it really looked like she was dying at one point. She's yeah. been dramatic. Um, I'm going to give it three emergency eyebrow pencils. Oh, important to have one of those in your handbag. Um, all time. I love the fact that that's like one of the few pieces of emergency equipment that Debbie had that was of any use whatsoever. I can only <laughs> imagine what the rest of her pockets contained. Um, right, who's a character of the week this week? I don't really know. Like, again... Debbie, I think I'm going to give it to Debbie, even though she's asleep for a lot of it, which is the best way to get through a crisis. I've mentioned before, I am. Um, I've been watching the Marvel movies, and I really enjoyed. I think it was Thor Dark World where Jane spends most of the episode asleep having a little nap. So I think any yeah, anyone right. who can sleep their way through drama gets a point. And I also like the fact that at the end she was like, yes, even though even though Adam was like, I don't want to be a lawyer, she still didn't care because she'd won. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I'm going to go with Debbie. I mean, it could, it could be Abby as well for saving the day, but it wasn't it wasn't a vintage Abby saves the day. I mean, really? she saves the day saves so the day often better. we can start to get picky about it, can't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Top five Abby saves the days next Patreon episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give it. I'll give it to Debbie. I quite enjoyed watching. I, I did like her little chats with Kevin when I could, you know, understand, could, what, understand they were what they were saying, which fifty percent of of the lines. Fine. Yeah. And um, yeah, Ronnie's looking promising, so keep an eye out for that. Yes. That's it. That's it. What did you give it? Three. Three. Yeah. Yeah. We're okay. going to move on and do news. the news. Right, onto the news. Feeling more positive now. Oh, I feel, I, I, I'm sorry if I came across as a bit of a downer at the end of Street Talk. It was just one of those weeks that was just like, eh, sort of a week. Come on, I, I need, I need another what? week that's going to get me, my, my blood pumping and my juices flowing. I was going to start this um, by saying sorry about how negative I was, but then I remembered that people said don't apologise, so... Um, <laughs> Let's just do. We have one bit nice of news. Things. I was almost going to not have a news section this week until I realised that a new book came out yesterday. It kind of snuck up on us, and it was because um, Paul from Curry Art on Twitter tweeted about it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, is that out now?" And, and the also, book is. Books are very quiet. They are very quiet indeed. Listen, exactly. I'm holding it in my hand right now because of thanks to the joys of Amazon Prime, I was able to order myself a copy yesterday, and it popped through our letterbox just this morning. The book is. But don't support Amazon. The book. They're evil. Is. The Land Girls from Coronation Street. And it is another novel from Maggie <laughs> Sullivan, who's already released uh, three Coronation Street books so far, I think. Um, and this one is, um, is the, it's, it's the, it's the, the one. fourth one, would you believe? Um, and this is the story of, well, I've only read like a chapter of it so far, but it's about um, Vera Sharples, so Ina's daughter Vera, who we later know to become Vera Lomax, who has a tragic end on that cold winter's night in 60-something. I don't remember. Um, so it's about her and um, 
Uh, I think he, uh, what was it, Martha Longhurst's daughter, Lily, and also a young Elsie Tanner. And I think Elsie is a bit of a favourite character of uh, Maggie Sullivan because she's featured in quite a bit in her books already. But in the chapter that I've read so far, they've been off to a a dance with some American soldiers. And um, it's quite funny reading about Vera because we saw her on the DVDs last year and she was a bit of a dunce, wasn't she? She was a bit... um, She's a dud, yeah. A bit bit useless, a bit pathetic. Um, and, and they've carried this personality for her into the book where she's definitely comes across as quite simple. I think Vera is 21 um, in this and uh, Lily, um, uh, Lily Coldwell, no, not Coldwell, Lily Longhurst is like 17 or something, but she's kind of the, the sensible one of the two of them. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to delving into her over the next week or so because I have pretty much enjoyed these um, Maggie Sullivan books. And um, I think with the last one, it it focused a lot on a character that was of um, Maggie Sullivan's own creation rather than a canon Coronation Street character. And it's nice to go back to um, characters that actually existed in the Coronation Street world. And the, the very first scene in this book is Minnie, Martha and Ina in the snug. Oh, is it? The three of them together. And I thought, oh, that's quite nice of watching it last year. I shall read out the um, the blurb for this. And, and I mean, I don't know how long this has been available. I think we did talk about um, this book on the podcast when the title was revealed you know, six months or so ago, but then it just popped out of my head. But um, according to the description on Amazon, this is a charming and nostalgic read, perfect for fans of Coronation Street and readers who love stories set in wartime. Vera Sharples, the overprotected daughter of Ina Sharples, longs for independence, and while her mother wants her to, wants to marry her off, she isn't keen on Bob Lomax, Vera's own choice for matrimony. Her friend Lily Longhurst has found herself on the wrong side of a doomed romance and decides it's high time that she and Vera take their lives into their own hands. With Ina unable to deny her daughter the chance to do her bit for king and country, the girls sign up for the land army, where life is very different from the familiar cobbles of Coronation Street. They're sent to Kent. Are they? It says, I'm reading exactly what you just said there. Yeah. Except where it says king and country, it says the girls sign up for the land army and are sent to Kent. Oh, okay. Where life is very different from the familiar cobbles yeah. This is reading inside the dust jacket. But even with her daughter far away down south, Ina can't stop meddling in Vera's life and hatches a plan that could put pay to all of Vera's hopes. Will the two plucky Lancashire lasses come home to Coronation Street with their dreams intact, or is Ina about to shatter them forever? So I, th- well, I really love how an additional sentence that you don't have. What expected to work from daybreak until sunset? The routine is a shock as the constant threat from the regular raids from the Luftwaffe, not something they can tell their mothers. Oh. So I, I do like the fact that Ina is a, a main character in this, because I don't think we've seen a whole load of Ina, really, in Maggie's book so far. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. And I know it's definitely, definitely not everybody's cup of tea. I, I don't know whether loads and loads of listeners here are going to be... Um, going to be buying this but if if like me you didn't realize it was coming out and you've been looking forward to it then you can pop over to amazon or the bookseller of your choice and um, and get yourself a copy 14.99 it is from harper collins and it the next book is coming out is a day trip for coronation street on october the 14th which will presumably be another wartime story i've kind of i've not tried to piece together all of these into you know, one Maggie Sullivan universe timeline because they're all kind of set around the same time and uh, I don't know whether one, like, there's going to be any mention of any of the happenings in the other books in this one or whether they're all just kind of separate. But anyway, 
that's it for the news this week not not much else has really happened so um, it's fine we'll move on we'll move on move on feedback time well you went straight into that i don't even know whether i'll start recording that feedback time everybody um and we forgot to say in that last news bit because we were so keen to get over the rest that that's not the only coronation street book that came through our letterbox today is it no you'd surprise me with another purchase the life and times of elsie tanner yeah, by Darren, by Darren Little. So I don't know when I'm going to get And if you look for this on that, Amazon, but... you will not find the correct cover. So I took a bit of a gamble to, to work out whether this would actually, anything would really come, but it did. There's a it's a whole book, yeah. just about Elsie Tanner. Yeah, so let's talk about the average score, which was on the Facebook group, it was 2.89 for last week's shenanigans. Yeah, they didn't, we didn't really like last no, week's uh, curries on the Facebook group. And I think 2.5 was the, was the mode score. So Ooh, I'm wondering well whether this week is going to be similarly voted low. I just, I, you know, I didn't get the buzz for it. But um, John last week gave it three cheers for one scene Joe after John's uh, Johnny's poor old. Um, oh yeah, his friend overdosed died. friend. Um, Shannon gave it two hours a day that Tyrone does any work, and Pat, who's my pick of the week, gave it two and a half hours on the bog with the Gazette Sports pages. Oh, it's worse than <laughs> so you. thank you everybody for voting on that poll. Always love find out what you think thank you very or, much everybody for yeah. your feedback on how long the podcast is we've had loads after our little um ramble about it on last week's podcast there was like at least like four or five threads started up in the facebook group about um about the length of the podcast weren't there yeah most of which were saying keep it long it's fine there are a couple of people that said that it's a little bit too long which i completely get a set of uh oh, of yes of course of the people course. that think it's too long don't even listen yeah, well, you can but, but speed it you. up. Thank you very much. We'll, we're, we're still not decided what to do, but um, talking about it is only making it longer. It is. Right, I'm going to launch into our emails. We've got quite a lot of extra emails this week, so I think our regular contributors, um, we, we, we won't read out this week, but thank you, as always, for your feedback. I'm going to start off. We've got two Chris's that have written to us this week, and the first one is Chris Lysett, who says, Hello, Michael and Gemma. I've been an avid listener to your podcast since early last year. Must say, I really enjoy listening to your opinions and thoughts each week. I've been a massive Corrie fan since the early 90s. Your recent discussion about Nina and Asher. Oh, when's that story? I'm going to come back. That was brilliant a couple Maybe of weeks ago. Maybe they're bubbling up for a steamy sex scene. <laughs> Your recent discussion about Nina and Asher reminded me of when I lived in Melbourne, Australia for a few years. Cool. I went with a friend of mine, Derek. Did you call him Dirk? Whom, to my knowledge, had always been a heterosexual man. However, when we got out to Australia, we spent a few days in Sydney before travelling to Melbourne. He insisted we visit a drag bar on a night out as he's always found them amusing. We went and got talking to a few guys in there. Uh, One took a liking to Derek and invited him back to his. Derek went and I didn't see him till 7pm the next day. When I asked what you'd been doing all that time, he told me they'd been getting jiggy. I couldn't believe it. He'd always... (laughs) (laughs) He's a... I've lost where I am. I'm so stunned. I've lost my place in the email. He always admitted that he felt he could be himself in Australia, whereas in Portsmouth, he'd always felt judged. I asked if he was bisexual or homosexual, and he just said he'd like... I'm laughing likes... because Portsmouth is um, there are our enemies. rivals. He said that he just likes who he likes, and he doesn't want to be defined by a label. Mm-hmm. So for the longest time, I couldn't get my head around the label thing, but as time has gone on, I've understood better. He's been in relationships with both men and women over the years. He still lives in Australia to this day, as he says he can be himself self as he's extremely happy whereas i'm back in portsmouth (laughs) certain parallels i can see with this and what asher said to dev 
Loving the podcast, please never shorten it. There we go. I love all aspects of it. The quiz, the birthdays, street talk, news, feedback. So good to know there are so many passionate Cory fans out there like myself. Keep up the great work. Best of luck with the move if and when that happens. Sore point. Thank you. Yeah, that is definitely a sore point. Uh, today. There has been a bit. We're of not a setback. moving to Portsmouth. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that we have had had a bit of a snag, but you don't want to hear about that. Interesting. We did not want to hear about it either. Interesting. Um, I'm. I'm. Yeah. Again, another anti-label um, proponent. Is there anyone who loves labels? I like. I love labels. Do you? Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I know. Yeah. Primark is fine for me. <laughs> Yeah, that's I mean, interesting. I mean, we're, everyone's entitled strong... to be to label themselves or not label or not. themselves. But I just I found it really interesting to hear that particular experience that I somebody do... had had. What is it yeah. about Australia that makes you feel that you can? They're all free and easy. Over did there. you do whatever you want? <laughs> yeah, I I just think. Although oh. when I heard that he'd spent some time in in Sydney, I thought that that sounded a bit rude Michael, as well. That's inappropriate. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just wish that people were able to reject labels based on the fact that not because they felt that they were bad, you know, that's the only thing that makes me sad about it. Yeah. Like he's he doesn't want it. The reason he doesn't want a label is because he thinks that the label is a bad, not mm. the label's intrinsically bad, but what the label says, you know, yeah. so that maybe one day it won't matter or we won't have labels and no one will care. Well, they're kind of helpful. Well, this is what I said, but this is what other people are saying. They don't want them. There's some people are saying. That's fine. Thank you for your <laughs> feedback. I'm glad that you're enjoying the podcast. No, I really well. like this. I don't. Yeah, I think this is really fascinating. That this has generated probably the most discussion that we've had. Yeah, for a little while. while. Um, and I do like having emails about people who have different opinions and also people from Portsmouth. It's I fine. just love it when people share their real life experiences yeah. with us and how it links with Coronation Street. Yeah, um, but I will say I am super glad that we've had. A couple of weeks off from talking about really serious oh, issues yeah. and I'm so glad that there's not like we didn't have to do a big thing about how sad it was that people get trapped in fridges and that's how, true like, that's real, true we have had true. a couple of weeks of full-on serious and issues like, stuff listen if you want to live in a fridge I'm not gonna say that's right or wrong I will say that you might get cold but it's your own decision <laughs> to make if you want to live in a fridge watch what you're saying Gemma you don't want to I don't want to offend, offend any fridge dwellers <laughs> no, I know if you live in a fridge write in let me know how is it <laughs> um what what uh temperature do you normally keep it at do you, is your fridge blue or pink yeah and do you have an ice box that you keep a in nice, the attic a very nice box <laughs> What brand is your fridge? <laughs> Gleason's. <laughs> right, Chris. Another Chris number two, Chris Lecky. Gemma, I'll Don't let you. say Chris number two. Both Chris's are equal. <laughs> um, although one lives in Portsmouth. <laughs> like I, think, I think Chris gets gets the joke. <laughs> So I've got well. no beef with Portsmouth whatsoever, even though I've been, just I've been living in this. Southampton for 20 years you now, and I still think that Portsmouth is quite I fine. I don't understand why we're so angry at each other, but it's <laughs> tradition. <laughs> right, Chris says, once again, Coronation Street last week featured an utter charlatan who, in spite of having no greater knowledge of what fate befalls us after we die than you or I do, thinks it's perfectly moral and acceptable to lie to desperate people, claiming some privileged insight into the supposed afterlife, telling them the kind of comforting news about the next world they want to hear and even considers it ethical to take away to it still that's enough about billy oh i thought <laughs> oh, you were talking about crystal what's it crystal meth crystal knobs crystal meth um 
Yes, <laughs> that's very. That's a very saucy thing to say. Starting a controversy here about vicars. We're just saying that we're not getting into serious <laughs> issues this week, Chris. <laughs> um, Chris says, just wanted to say, yes, it was exciting to have Ray turn up out of the blue back at the bistro to find that Gail had bought the house, though I should have seen that coming, and for Kevin and Debbie to get locked in the sex fridge. <laughs> I tell you, one thing, was, was it this email that had sex fridge as the, as the subject header? Um, no, I think there's another one, actually. <laughs> It was really funny scrolling through the emails and seeing Sex Fridge. Um, having seen no spoilers or trailers for any of those events. Very exciting. At the end of Monday's episode, it looks like Debbie is dead. No. And the fate of Black Effect would suggest that, but I won't believe it till I see the zip close on the body bag. No, I'm so glad you didn't get not spoiled. I'm really this. glad. See, I moan and moan and whinge and, and arse about, about, isn't it awful how they spoiled it for literally everybody on the planet that knew that, yeah. that Debbie and Kevin were going to be absolutely that, fine. What is it that? The un- uncontacted Sentinelese mm. tribe who live in the Amazon even going, we don't knew. care who, we don't even know who, they, who this is. Um, but no, but some people didn't get No, and, and I think that if we hadn't known, it would have actually been quite exciting because well, it, some... was, it was directed well, it was scripted well, it was... You basically told me this was going to happen. But I thought you knew. I know. You kept, <laughs> you kept saying, you, like, you said two different things about it. Um that was easy to put together. <laughs> Sorry. So that's Sorry. great. I'm really I'm, pleased. I'm really, yeah. really, as, as mad as I am that I knew about it, and I know partly it's my own fault for, I don't really look for these things. They just, you know, if you're a Cory podcaster, you're going to see some spoilers that maybe you don't want to see. And if you're going to go to the shop where they sell TV mags, your eyes might just have a quick glance over there. But I, I'm very, very, very glad. I'm not angry or jealous. Of, well, I'm a little bit jealous. I'm not angry at you that you didn't know, Chris. I'm not angry. It's not your fault. <laughs> right. Derek um, Is this has really written from in. Derek? Yes. Because it says Derek there. I'm just making sure. Yeah, this is another Derek. It's not the same Derek. No, this from is the, this is from, Derek, from Seventy Chris's, Street fan. It's not the same Derek it's, from Chris's email. No, I went to. It is not Derek Australia. from Australia. Just making sure everybody knows. No relation. Enjoyed the character profile of Phyllis Pierce. We had quite a lot of nice comments about the Phyllis Pierce character profile last yes. week. I'm glad you enjoyed it, everybody. Wow. Um, I'm not convinced she's as forgotten as you suggest exactly. when you see how Based well on... she polled in the Corypedia character survey. Based on our feedback, too. Yeah, but no, I, I still um, stand by the fact that people, when they're reminded of Phyllis, go, oh, yeah, I love Phyllis. But they yeah. wouldn't necessarily think of her when they're, you know, imagining yeah. characters of the past because right. she didn't have those big stories. In fact, Derek says, she did a lot better than many more significant or substantial characters from the past. Yeah. Although she did become the naughty man-hungry pensioner <laughs> quite early on in her curry stint, I would say that Phyllis was originally written as more of a battle-axe figure, particularly in those early stories with Chalky and grandson Craig. But, as often happens in Corrie, the actor's real-life persona gradually takes over somewhat and we soon begin to see Phyllis. It's more fun-loving uh, lady, particularly when the whole Percy saga began. I think that um, she, when she came in, it was just a couple of years after um, Violet Carson had left the programme, being Ina. And I think you're right. Yeah. That I think I read somewhere that they were kind of looking for an Ina replacement. And they tried to do the same with um, with uh, Granny Hopkins, didn't they? they? They wanted to make her like the new Ina, but it just didn't work. You can't... You can't capture no. that magic twice unfortunately but they go they got closer with other battle axes uh 
later on, I suppose. Um, Derek continues, I am very much in agreement with your comments about how these more comic characters were written and played than compared to nowadays. It was definitely more believable and naturalistic. Now we even get a long-established character like Gail behaving in a totally stupid fashion most of the time, all in the name of comedy. And by the way, I think I need to point out that in Derek's poem, <laughs> this is Derek Wilton, he pre- referred to Mavis's down-knee breasts rather than down-dee breasts. Not that this was any better. Certainly Mavis wasn't very happy. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't remember exactly he what it was. So I said, dowdy breasts. That sounds insulting. I was, that's probably what he said. Oh, down, downy breasts. Yeah, um, that's not nice really good. Stroke. No, because downy just means like fluffy, covered in hair. <laughs> Poor Mavis. <laughs> Derek, what you like. Uh, thank you, Derek. I really like that that um email. Yes. Yeah. It's good to get a perspective of people that know a bit more about the, the older episodes than we Definitely. do in their context. Definitely. Right, George says, I would have said this last week when the storyline started, but given the silliness of it, I instead waited until it was over this week, although I can't believe they dragged it out to Wednesday. Of course, I'm referring to Kevin and Debbie getting locked in the bistro sex fridge. See, I didn't think it felt dragged <laughs> out. I was surprised that it lasted until Wednesday. But when on Monday's episode and Abby almost caught them and I was like, oh, here we go, it's over and... And then she didn't. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. It's exciting for a bit longer. Now, I did see spoilers, so I was aware the story was going to the story's going to go ahead but I couldn't believe it got a trailer when it really is one of those stories that can be solved quite quickly and with this coming in a few years after Michelle and Robert had me puzzling as to why Corey keeps pushing its characters in fridges <laughs> now with regards to the story Debbie getting thrown in by Ray was a full on movie type point with of course the classic you'll never get away with this already have lines but i don't think it was clear to me how kevin went in i remember seeing debbie definitely flung in there but then it was like we cut to a different story and then back to the fridge and kevin's now inside i think it would have been better if kevin was already in the fridge and it is discovered when debbie gets thrown in and lands on kevin that would have been quite fun i mean i think wasn't it just that kevin bopped ray on the head and then he was free to just walk in there i thought that's all it was why did kevin walk in the fridge once just, just to say oh debbie let me help you out. I don't remember now. I think I've um, got fridge Yeah, no, that's all it was. They're taking full advantage of Michael Lavelle and Sue DeBaney having their um, bubble that they'd made. Oh, we didn't talk about which, which this. Which we didn't actually talk about, did we, on the, on the street tour this week? No, I'm not keen on It this. was weird because I, I didn't even realise until I read about it, like after we recorded last week's podcast, that they'd done it. Yet they had those two of them been sitting next to each other on Friday's episode and I didn't notice it there at all. There was a warning before the, the episode began to say this on was Monday recorded it was, yeah. when the characters were formed a bubble with one another. They don't need to tell us that. I think we might have been able to work it out. But yeah, I, I was very surprised how I didn't remark on the fact that they were sitting close to each other on Friday and I needed to be told and then it was like really obvious. But I wonder if I hadn't read about it, would I have just... It would have just flown over the to, top of my head. They need to not tell us these things also because I don't... I think that I don't really... Oh, I don't really want to criticise them for being so dedicated, but at the same time, I don't think that you should be able to do this. I don't really... Like, if, if it was as simple as just forming a bubble with somebody, everyone could hug their parents and their grandma and stuff. It, it is a bit odd how... Yeah, if you're in the arts, I suppose, if it's for... There are people that haven't seen their parents for a year. Yeah. And if it's as simple as just sitting in a room for two weeks and then you can do it, then we Lots would have of... all been able to do it, wouldn't we? Mm. And also there must just don't... be some kind of compensation um, because no, I don't know, but I, I also don't like the I don't like the possibility that 
actors might get pressured into, you know, forming a bubble with somebody for a scene, you know? I don't think this is necessarily going to happen, but there's always the potential that if, say, they want to do a scene with somebody and they're like, well, you don't have kids. You, why can't you, you know, yeah. sit in a hotel for two weeks and then do this scene so that we can make this... Yeah. I just think until the until everyone's allowed to do it, we don't really... We didn't really need them to... I think to it, do this scene with them hugging each other. I think it would have been very, very, very odd if they hadn't. I know, been. but That's at the same the time, it's it's a weird and strange circumstance. I just thought it was a bit. It was a bit like I kind of I kind of forgave them a little bit for the whole um, Yasmin and that lot. Well, Yasmin and so and so on the Jeff roof. Jeff and Alia, wasn't they? They because they did. They weren't hugging each other and they weren't really touching each other that much. And I don't think honestly, if they had said. Then said, oh, they were, they were in a bubble. I wouldn't have even noticed they were that close to each other, to be honest. I know what you mean. Um, no, I, 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 I didn't have a problem with it, really, this week. I, I don't I, think I get everybody what... will. I'm just saying, like, I, I'm only saying it because I think that some people probably um, might also feel the same way, but I don't know. No, when, once they kind of got, got going with the scenes and everything, I thought it was really nice to have them hugged up. It did, it did make me feel a bit jealous, honestly. I yeah. don't know how many other people were watching it, like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Um, it's really hard also on people that live by themselves. Yeah. You don't have anyone to sit in a sex razor with. <laughs> so, George finishes, because this wasn't George, this was me saying this. But now George says, All in all, for me, the story lost its seriousness when Debbie said it's 2021. People don't die in fridges. Plus, with having seen a new story from the Metro of Debbie say, staying on the cobbles, we won't say the rest of this, um, I knew that these two weren't dying. I'm mm. not going to read the rest of because it's a bit of a spoiler but yeah. is it though is this it is what though? we were referring to um previously when we said that we knew that they were gonna live yeah it, it, yeah see it's a shame it's a shame thank yeah, you george I, I kind of i thought it was weird when debbie was like people don't die in fridges no, they said and... they hide in them from the paparazzi or something didn't they which is a um, well, that's what um, boris, boris johnson, johnson does dig yeah. <laughs> um, right, I think we will make this next email our last one for the night, um, just in the, in the name of shortening the podcast for those people that say it's too long. And this is, comes from Nicole, who we haven't heard from for a little while. In fact, she says that herself. She says, it's been a while since I've said hello to you and the podcast family. Oh, hello, everybody hello. from Nicole. It's funny how life can be so busy, yeah. even when our activities and social contacts are so restricted. Corrie continues to be my uh, one of my grounding spots. There are times when I'm bored with it and times when I can hardly wait to tune in. These waves have always been there. If I'm getting bored with it, I find that I tend to stop watching it daily. And then when I have a stretch of free time, I binge on all the episodes I've recorded. That usually works to light the flame again. Maybe we should do that when we're getting a bit bored on Coronation Street. Just... Uh, give it a rest and have all the listeners on tenterhooks like when are we going to come back again oh I'm sure everyone would be holding I, I see what you I, I get totally get that with the waves as well that there really really are times and it's like oh this is such a fantastic episode tonight I loved it they were firing on all cylinders it was amazing um, and, and sometimes I think oh that wasn't so good today but I'm still really really looking forward to tonight and sometimes it's like oh I, I don't think it's going to be very good tonight and here we go uh, but there, I mean I guess there are still people that are, Love it all the time. I wonder whether, like, the longer you've watched it, the oh. more this these waves happen. I don't know. I, 
I don't know, it's a, it's a difficult one. Um, Nicole continues, just watched the cliffhanger today where Summer walks into the apartment, so she's a few weeks behind here, getting trashed by Todd's lackey. I haven't really been enjoying this story about Todd trying to destroy Paul and Billy's relationship, but now it seems to be getting more interesting. I don't like Todd at all, but I don't think I'm meant to. I'm yelling at the screen, don't trust the thing he says or does. <laughs> Um, they are taking an interesting slant to Peter's alcoholism story. Instead of what havoc is Peter going to instead instead of what havoc is Peter going to end up doing? Yeah, it's more of his dealing with his recovery, healing the despair he's feeling. It was so sensitively done about how he just doesn't have the energy to fight it anymore, and he just wants to give up. I'm just at the part where he's forgiven Carla and I'm looking forward to seeing how this evolves. The acting is just amazing. Ah. It was interesting. It was odd how they did have him, you know, disappear off to hospital for a few weeks because is he, you know, is he in in any better of a state than he, he was two weeks Don't ago? Don't you remember why he went to detox? Well, yeah, when he'd had his seizure and everything. He went but... to detox so that he can be weaned off of the sort of biological dependency that he has on alcohol and now he can just concentrate on getting better and not drinking mm. we so had the whole conversation about it you seem to have forgotten no 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 he was I... struggling at home because he had to detox which meant he had to take a small amount so of is alcohol. he back now that because he doesn't need to do he's that he's finished anymore. detox okay okay he wasn't in rehab up. that's different okay fine okay um where, where detox is it like a like a medical it just felt like the process. story needed to have a little break for a bit so this was the the reason that they gave but anyway i'm not all that invested um nicole continues in the michael grace aggie story but i'm sure it will get better and i'm bored with the financial troubles of Gemma, sean et al and i'm intrigued about the asher and nina story i like both of these characters i think i would prefer a real strong friendship between them rather than an asexual slash romantic one but either way it should be good now, the Fate, Ray, Debbie story looks like it's wrapping up. That story hasn't had as much impact as I think the producers were hoping. I couldn't just buy into any of it. But I think we'll see at the end. I think we'll see the end of Ray or Debbie or both pretty soon. Oh. Meanwhile, Gary and Rick's murder oh, is still unresolved. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it really is, isn't it? Oh, that's just making me... See, when I'm thinking, oh, uh, this little filming block's coming to an end, maybe that means we'll have more Asher and Nina, but there's still the potential that it could be, oh, we'll have more Gary and Maria, and I'm not, <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not into You're that. Mean. I'm really not into that. Um, do, you, do, you, do you think we're going to see any more Ray? I mean, because sometimes... Ray's when... in prison. He'll stay in prison and then he'll escape or he'll get released and then he'll come and... I don't know whether we will. Because sometimes we see the characters at the trial and it's... then sometimes, like Scott last year, when once he got arrested, that was literally the last that we saw of him. I know, but I think that, I think that Ray's a bit more significant. I suppose honestly, so. Because I of what, what's be happened with Faye as well. I honestly, I really, really believe my little theory that I have spun from nothing, which is that... He's going to return at Christmas or whenever we have no more pandemic restrictions and he's just going to slap some people around and then he'll get killed. <laughs> and I really, really, really want a big stunty Christmas. Yeah, it didn't feel like he really, really, really got, you know, we didn't get to revel in his downfall this week, did we? The only bad thing that happened was he didn't get a refill on his beer so far. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, Nicole says that she's playing words and designs. Ooh. What a fun diversion. <laughs> By the way, there are new... Uh, um, New update available for that uh, today. Not a download update, just more tasks. You can now do Ken's bedroom, which is, I think, the last room in number one. 
And then it's all finished, so maybe we'll get new houses soon. Uh, But there's still loads of rovers to go. Um, What a fun diversion, she says. I basically play it as two games. I play only the word scrambles until I've got about 100 to 200 points. Then I spend them all doing the renovating. Yeah, I like that. Love the dialogue. I also really enjoyed the Joe Parkinson interview. Thanks. I loved all the behind the scenes stuff. You guys, guys do such a great job. Michael does. Shut up, you do as well. Sorry, I didn't mean this to be so long. Don't worry. That's what we say at the end of every podcast. Good luck with your house move. I hope it all goes smoothly. I'll stop jinxing it, you guys. You jinxed it. You did. You shouldn't have said anything. Oh. Oh, okay. It'll happen someday. Um, Right. Thank you you very much. Thank you and all of your listeners. Everybody, good wishes. Everyone, close your eyes and make a wish and open your eyes. Um, it depends on how realistic you are as to whether that will come true, but mostly it's down to you to make it happen and have a good weekend. And are we done now? Oh, then we need to say how people can contact us. Um, it's you a podcast tradition. Can You can email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. You can go to our blog, conversationstreet.podbean.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes. That'd be lovely. Thank you very much. We're on Twitter, you we're can. on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on fate- Patreon. We're on Fake-treon, where... <laughs> We pretend to do something different. We, we, we've got an Emberdale podcast on that. <laughs> what were you going to say? Um, you can whisper. I thought you were going to say something silly like into that. Into a seashell. Your okay. wildest hopes and dreams. And then throw it in the sea. And we will go to the shore um, probably next week around midday on Wednesday. And collect all the seashells. And we will listen and see what you have to say. And if we think that you deserve it, we will grant your wish. Or, you if you don't have any seashells, just Sunday. get a white feather and make a, make a little thought for us and let it float away in the breeze like in Forrest Gump and it will land at our feet and we'll know that even if we don't understand everything, that you're thinking of us. Yes! And you send yeah. us good wishes from wherever you may be. Very much like a dog doesn't understand what people are saying, but they understand when they get a pat on the head. Yeah. And that is definitely it for today's podcast. Yeah, a bit of a shorter one this week. That was the, the plan. Good. I've been trying to move things along apart from mumbling about seashells. So we're going to go now and have a good day. Yeah, do. Bye. If I'm you... not mad at you. I love you. Bye. Me or them? Everyone. Oh, good. Me more, I hope. You're not married to them. The music for this episode, episode. <laughs> came from podcastthemes.com. Oh, oh, oh.